This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. This is the Limitless Keith Lee, and I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing, take just one moment, and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Mwah. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 224. My name is Nick Howell. And hoping to finish more sentences on this show today than Lance Archer does, because everybody... I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome to the show today. That's right, everybody. We, this is our big weekend show today. It's our big Woo! Saturday show. That means we're talking about AEW. That means we are talking about NXT and, of course, SmackDown. We are a week away, a week away from climbing the corporate ladder, money in the bank, which will be Ooh. happening at Titan Towers. Apparently, Vince McMahon has already shown Becky Lynch how to fall off of a tower. I don't even know what that means, but that's... That's what she said. Uh, he's apparently still crazy. Wish he would have shown but, Nia Jax. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Uh, the, that is Nick Howell, and he is, a, he is a, a huge fan of Nia Jax. As you may be able to tell if you look behind him and see that large Nia Jax shrine behind him. And if you're not seeing that and you're only listening to us on our podcast, just so you know, you can check us out on YouTube as well as many other places. And to tell you about that, here is Nick with our housekeeping of the day. Yes, guys, come over to Facebook, join us over there, just search for Busted Wide Open, like our page, and send us a join request to get into the Busted Wide Open discussion group with the rest of our phenomenal ones, our lovely patrons. Yeah. Uh, you all can also follow us over on Twitter and bu- <laughs> Twitter and Instagram, I almost said LinkedIn. <laughs> we do not have a LinkedIn page. <laughs> no, not yet, not you, you, yet. Well, I don't know, who knows where LinkedIn is going these days. <laughs> Twitter and Instagram, at BWO Podcast, come over and join us in Discord, you can sign a link to it at the bottom here or in the description or pinned across any of our social media profiles. That is where we do all of our live chats all throughout the week for all of the wrestling shows, including dedicated chat channels for the pay-per-views such as Money in the Bank coming up a week from tomorrow. You definitely want to be in the Discord for the live chat during that. 
Uh, you also find us streaming here live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern at youtube.com slash Open. Make sure you're subscribed and jingle that little notification bell so you get notified anytime we do go live in the future or put up new content. And last but certainly not least, the aforementioned phenomenal ones, our patrons. Thank you guys for all of your support. And if you would like to get in on some of that, get access to some exclusives, you can head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Ian, we have got a mega, mega packed show today. Lots of wrestling to go over. We're heading yes. faster and faster towards money on the bank, on the roof, roof. of the Titan Towers the corporate thing. Okay. Oh, my God. But before we get to all that, we've got to head over and kick things off with All Elite Wrestling. The TNT Championship Tournament continues. Dun, That's right. Dun, we have... The next round of matches, the semifinal matches this week, Darby Allen versus Cody and Lance Archer versus Cody's brother, Dustin Rhodes. You can kind of see where this is going. Either we have brother versus brother, or perhaps we have something else happening. It turned out to be something else, yeah. and uh, it's pretty much what we expected, But and it got there pretty much how we expected, and yet it was still pretty damn good. Uh, Cody and Darby kicked off this episode today or Wednesday, but that we're talking about today. You know what I mean? Yes. They kicked it off uh, with another excellent Cody and Darby match. I, I, These guys are great together. They have great chemistry. Um, there was a little bit of nonsense with Brandy Rhodes accidentally getting taken out by Darby at one point. Cody's, you know, Matador swiped him, like, you know, stepped aside, ole! And Cody just went, bam, into Brandy and took her out into the barricade, and she got helped to the back. And then for some reason came out later and gave Cody a, a bottle of water for some reason, and then that was it. That was the whole story about her leaving. And I, I think they were going for Cody because he was Cody was in trouble during the time when she was gone, and then he like sacked up and ended up beating Darby at the end. So maybe like the the story was supposed to be that you know she made it back in time to support her man, but it didn't quite sell. It didn't quite come through. If you know what I mean, Nick. The yeah. real story of the match was, you know, Darby basically trying to get in Cody's head by using Cody's moves against him, um, being a little bit more aggressive than Cody in the early going, and then ultimately Cody showing he had a little bit more mental fortitude. At the end, going for a coffin drop of his own on Darby, who countered it with the knees up, uh, and then went up for a coffin drop on Cody. Cody ends up eating the coffin drop, but rolls at the last second to pin Darby's shoulders in a crucifix and gets the one, two, three. I'm not going to lie, Nick. It wasn't the cleanest crucifix. It looked like Darby could have just, you know, sneezed and kicked out of it. But at the end of the day, like, I understand what story they're trying to tell there. And I thought it worked great. It just, mm. you know, Cody just barely edged Darby out in the mental fortitude department. And I thought it was a great match all around. Exciting way to start the show. Yeah, I, I think it, this would have been. This is one of those where it would have been ten times more exciting with a crowd because of the way it ended. That roll up and the camera trickery that they did made it really look like uh, Darby had him pinned. And then it, when you see when they when they pan around or switch the camera angle, you see that no, Cody has rolled him up basically shifted, into yeah, a crucifix and just shifted. And they and the ref Aubrey was actually counting for Cody. And you kind of go, oh shit! Right. <laughs> Just had that moment. I can only imagine what a live crowd would have would have um, yeah. how they would have reacted to the surprise of that. Because I doubt if you're in like row three, section three hundred, you could have seen that sort of rollover that Cody did on Darby, and everybody would have been a little bit confused and react. So I mean, it's one of those where 
Damn it, I wish there would have been a crowd there because it would have amped it up even more. But I loved the this match. I loved the way it finished. Yeah, and I also like the way that they built it with the they had a video package before with Cody and Darby both talking about, you know, why they wanted this championship and contrasting who they were while still remaining faces. You know, we we wondered about that with Darby punching Cody a couple of weeks ago after their match. Uh, was Darby going heel? What's going on? No, luckily they're 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 playing with, you know, grays here. It's not all black and white. And Darby was saying, like, look, I don't care. I respect Cody, but I will go right through him for this. And he needs to know that. Um, he's Mr. Corporate. He's Mr. You know, Mr. Suit and Tie. And that's not me. Uh, and I'm here to show that you know someone like me can be a champion. Someone like Cody's always champion. You know, we always have the Suit and Tie guy. I'm the other. I'm the other alternative option. Um, and I thought they did a great job with that package and with the promos there of really defining. Okay, this is Darby. This is Cody. They can, but we can cheer them both, and they can still have a match that is competitive and is gritty and is you know, gets down and dirty at some points, and we understand where that comes from, and it's not necessarily from animosity. You're really no. hating each other. It's just differences in lifestyle. It's competition. Yeah. We, they recognize they're different guys, and they, but there's a prize they both won. Bam. Perfect. And then it was, and it was done, Nick. It was a two-minute video package. Two, three minutes at most. Yeah. You, you got a whole story for this match. Right there. The stakes are the championship on the line. No, not on the line here, but like the, 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 the possibility. Uh, if you win the next match, you get the championship. Right? So it's – you got stakes. You have a reason for the match. You have the two defined characters. Mwah! Chef's kiss. Yeah. And, and every well – look, I think every step of this tournament has been executed so perfectly that it, all of this rubs off into the prestige of the title itself. It makes it relevant. It makes it important. It gives it some inherent value. And I, I think that's one of the best things they can do right out of the gate for a new title is establish it in this caliber where you're having killer promos, killer performances, killer matches across the board from all of these guys. And it's just going to make the title that much more sought after, that much you know, more relevant and more prestigious. So I'm, I think they've really nailed it. Uh, with this tournament, I'm glad to see where things have ended up. Not going to spoil that yet because we've got some other stuff to talk about. But uh, yes. yeah, I, I, I absolutely love this stuff. Real quick, want to throw it in. Uh, Kirby Freeman with the super chat, two bucks. Thank you, said, sir. Did you see Oscar's Triple H entrance, Nick? Oh, I'm not sure what you're referring to. I did. Okay, I know. I I will tell you what he's referring to. Oscar okay. did like a little. It's not backstage. He actually went out to the ring. It was like a TikTok video where she did Triple H's entrance, and she got the water, and she spat it everywhere, and she went, ah, did the whole thing. It was pretty cute. Nice. I will uh, look that up, Kirby. Thank you for the two bucks. It's, it's, what's funny is, is that she did it, and even Triple H can't do it on his 25th anniversary. <laughs> right. So that's funny. Um, back to the TNT Championship Tournament. We also had Lance Archer versus Dustin Rhodes to close the show. It was your main event of the night. And damn, dude, I... Mm, I dug the shit out of this match. Yeah. This was, it was not fast paced. It was definitely, um, if you watched it live, I will say this. If you, I went back and watched it. I watched it twice. I watched it live and then I watched it on the replay. Live, it dragged a little bit because they were, they slowed down for commercial breaks. If you watched it, just the replay, I thought it was paced way better because it was, they didn't, they didn't do rest holds for the entire commercials. Right. Basically, they cut out that stuff and it moves a lot better. Uh, it was definitely very measured. But it was also brutal as hell, and it felt like Lance Archer was – I mean, it, 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 it was the best showing for Lance Archer yet. He went in there with another guy his size, 
nearly his size in Dustin Rhodes, who is just, you know, he, he went in there and was obviously a, a big, strong dude as well. And he brutalized the hell out of him. Busted him open with the chair. Oh, Dustin imagine bleed. that. Dustin Rhodes with a crimson mask. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Looks it? good on him. Looks good on him. Well, as the one side yeah. of the face paint gets wiped off, the other side gets red. So it actually, exactly. you know, it works. Uh, my, my big takeaway from this is Cody coming out, or QT Marshall coming out to throw in the towel. Cody coming out to stop him. Dustin saying he wants to continue. The Lance Archer tightrope moonsault from a yeah. six foot eight, two hundred and seventy five pound man. Come on, get if out of here! Are you know, kidding if me? If you didn't know, now you know. <laughs> if you've been sleeping on Lance Archer, we've been trying to tell you <laughs> since last ridiculous. summer. And he's also he established himself here as a true monster, like the the true yeah. monster of AEW. Like you got, we we talk about Wardlow in a second. He's definitely a monster too, but he's in a different way. It's more like a Hulk smash mob. This is like a sadistic bastard monster. And this match was what that prom promo like backyard wrestling video of Lance Archer should have been. Where, you know, Jake's sitting there in a chair smoking and watching. And Lance is taking out everybody. And they're all kind of like comically splayed about the ring. It should have looked more like this. This looked like a, a massacre. Like he was sitting there, like trying to pull open the wound on Dustin's head at one point, like pulling at his face, and you know he ultimately gives him the claw to hold him down uh, and pin him, and he's just sitting there afterwards, like there everyone runs in the ring to, to tend to Dustin, and he's just sitting there afterwards, like <laughs> up in their face, staring at them. You established that now Cody has some serious beef with Lance Archer because Lance made Cody's brother bleed his own blood. He hurt him. He came in there and he hurt Cody's brother. Now he's got beef with this guy. Besides just the guy, besides just Lance Archer talking smack to Cody, now he's hurt Cody's family. The family how, that Cody got a horrible tattoo in his neck for. How far has this come along? Like a year, nearly a year ago, a few weeks removed, we were having Cody versus Dustin at Double or Nothing in Vegas, like the, yeah. the debut pay per view. That was a year ago, yeah. That was that was last Memorial Day, right? And now we're still having this kind of good times. This kind of family drama with the roads and all. It's so good. Oh, <laughs> uh, Lance Archer looks like a, just a goddamn yep. monster. Everything and he does, and it's exactly what I had hoped he would look like and what he would be booked as. And man, that match between him and Cody is going to be a just an absolute barn burner. I, I still think Lance Archer is going to win this whole thing. Yep. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Cody afterwards. Now that he can never challenge for the AEW championship, and now he's lost the TNT championship, it's going to give him some crazy babyface fire to go back and get that thing. Exactly, and and we've said it before. Where baby, there are some babyfaces that are better in the chase than with a title. And Cody, I think, doesn't yeah. need a title. He's kind of Teflon at this point. And losing it to a guy like Lance Archer doesn't really make him look that bad, especially when you consider how they've built up Lance Archer. Whereas, if Cody beats Lance for this next week, it's really going to take off Lance at the knees uh, yeah. in terms of in terms of his build. That. So, I I really strongly feel they have to give Lance this title at this point with the way they've built this story. Um, if this they needs don't, to be better... Ivan Drago beating down Rocky, and then Rocky figuring out how to come back and beat him. Like this, this is exactly. Rocky three template. Yeah, <laughs> all no, over, you, can't, right? you can't have Ivan Drago beat uh, or Rocky beat Ivan Drago in the in the first reel, and then believe right. that wait now he's got to go train to come back and beat him again. We're like, no, he already he already beat him. But right. we're good, we're done. That's the move. Exactly. All right. Hey, Rocky, Rocky four in twenty minutes. Great or four. Cool. Yes, you're right. Thank you. Let's all let's all go home. I got you, boo. Don't worry. Thank you. I know my I know my Rockies. Um, 
So, yeah, so good stuff so far in the TNT Championship tournament, tournament, if you will. Jericho was back on commentary this week, making everything French. Uh, Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian versus the best friends in a no DQ, no holds barred match. Uh, entertaining chaos, I'd say is what I would call this. Lots of chairs, a couple ladders, a couple like short ladders. Um, but at the end of the day, Nick, it felt to me like fast food. Was it, was it just kind of an entertaining time fill for you? Like, cause I, I mean, what? no. This thing, if you blinked, you missed something. This thing, I felt like it was just 100 miles an hour from start to finish. I, I Listen, this was a good, fun tag team kind of match. This is exactly what I wanted it to be. Orange Cassidy gets hit in the face with a ladder. You know, if, if you there was all kinds of action going on all around it. You had all of the wrestlers on the outside of the ring filling up the giving you ambient noise and stuff. And I, I it's like you said, entertaining chaos. It's mm-hmm. it's exactly it's it's popcorn fodder for me to just sit there. And, yes, watch yeah, these guys beat the hell out of each other. Maybe that's a word you just hit on there. Popcorn. You know, you had you had Cody and Darby in the beginning, which was a very kind of like clean, sleek, straightforward technical match. Um, very good. Technic- yes. Yeah, but also, you know, it's it's there serving a purpose. It's in a tournament. You had the bloodbath horror show that was Lance Archer and Dustin Rhodes, and then you had this, which was basically a popcorn match. Yep, it was a bunch of a bunch of bunch of dudes and and one woman who was on the outside, of course, Penelope Ford, or uh, Orange Cassidy doing Orange Cassidy things, like just a bunch of bunch of wacky, crazy. Kooky stuff, big spots and and gnarly, gnarly bumps and yeah, it was just in the middle of the show and it was a, it was a fun popcorn match. Really have no, I you know I wanted to complain about the fact that it really didn't have any stakes and even even Jericho tried to throw um, some sort of stakes at the end where he's like, well I guess if you win this it must mean you're that much closer to Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. Okay, sure, <laughs> I, I I guess. Sure, uh, you know, it wasn't really established, but all right, I wouldn't. I'll watch Best Friends versus Omega and Hangman. Sure, why not? Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, just a popcorn match, but fun. Yeah. That, fun. This, this was. It's, it's all it was. It was. Just a good time. Yeah. So the rest of the show, they it was it was a mix of a bunch of different things, whether it was promos or video packages or squash matches. Uh, we had MJF showing up and giving a promo from I, I guess his his rat's house again. Um, sh- saying that he now he now he's healed from his injury. His hangnail is gone. His doctor now says that he has the strongest nail in that he's ever seen. Uh, the doctor's words, not mine. And uh, unfortunately, though, even now that he was ready to come back and get into the ring and be there for all those people that he loved so much, right? He accidentally nicked his neck shaving, and he takes off his scarf, and he has this huge like neck brace on. He's like, oh yeah, I just I can't come back yet. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, more brilliant stuff from MJF here. Just absolutely amazing. But then also setting up him coming back, we had a Wardlow squash where Wardlow was facing off against a guy named Musa. And once again, Wardlow just beat the crap out of him, gave him that falling knee strike where he puts the guy up on the turnbuckle with his feet on the top of the turnbuckle, holds his head up, and then just lets him go and, you know, basically go to sleep him in the face. I actually wanted to run down and check this dude's pulse because he... <laughs> That looked brutal. That looked oh, really bad. I'm not gonna lie. The ref, do- the ref just dove in at the guy like, "Oh shit, are you yep. okay?" <laughs> Cut <laughs> commentary like, yep. quick. Check, check, <laughs> check on him. Check on him. But then, the, then he got up. The ref got off him real quick, and I was like, "I guess he's fine." He sold the face. So I'm like, "Wow, that props." Wow, <laughs> that looked absolutely gnarly. And if the yep. guy's okay after that, then 
Well done. How does he not have a shattered cheekbone? I, I or don't know. a nose? Yeah. yeah, I was waiting. I was waiting for him to come up with his nose just <laughs> squirting blood like he was Japanese and saw a hot woman. Uh, it was uh, unbelievable. And then another F ten. You have to know Japanese culture, Nick. Just okay. calm down. It's okay. I do not. Apparently, thank you. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> um, but again, so Wardlow squashes this guy. It looks like a monster. Great. So we, on the one hand, you have MJF just establishing that he's a shithead. And you have Wardlow establishing he's a monster. That's going to be a great package when everything gets more or less back to normal. Nick, I got to ask you what you think is going on with Sean Spears. Because he I, was ringside. I'll, I'll set it up. He was yeah, ringside yeah. during the Cody match. And they exchanged some terse glances. You know, we have a lot of history between the two of them. And then he had a squash match against Baron Black, who I guess now that Corbin is a king, this guy took over being a Baron. Um, but uh, so he, he basically just beat the crap out of Baron Black, put him in a sharpshooter, and got real. It, it was, the story of the match was basically that Sean Spears kind of didn't take him seriously. And then once he got angry, he, he just destroyed him. Um, Sean Spears, ever since losing to Cody in the tournament, has been on a, a run of being cocky and then destroying dudes and seeming like he's kind of found a new intensity. Do you think his road leads back to Cody? Why are they keeping Sean around? Is it because he's there and he, he can work these matches or do they have a plan for his character here, do you think? What do you sense? I feel like there's other people besides Cody he could be building something with and I feel like it's a misstep to try and regurgitate that or revive that somehow. Like, why are we trying to do the whole Cody thing all over again? At, at this point, that's been settled. Cody's moved on. Why hasn't Sean? And if he's if he's still got beef with Cody, explain that. Where's Tully? Why haven't we? Why don't we know what the next steps have been? Is you know we haven't really heard any explanation on that. So you're you're asking me a question. I don't know the answer to. I'm just really speculating here around. What could it be? Because right now he's just kind of doing the same thing that Wardlow is. He's just coming out and squashing dudes. What what is ultimately is that for? I don't mm -hmm. know. We I think we're gonna have a program with Lance Archer and Cody for some time. So you better figure something else out to do with Sean Spears for the sure. next six months because I think he's gonna be busy. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, you know, and again, a lot of times you have to speculate. They're just using guys that happen to be around or available or willing to work during this. Yeah, which is probably why you're not seeing Tully. Um, and if and if Sean is around, he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll come in, help you guys. I'll do some matches. Yeah, uh, that could be it. Or there could be a long term plan, and and ultimately, his road could lead back to Cody, and and Cody could take another shot. Yeah, you I'll come put my gear on and make five hundred bucks in fifteen, ten minutes, whatever. That's fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, another squash we had. Brody Lee came out to squash Marco Stunt, and at All first, right. at first. I looked at this and I was like, okay, what was the point of that? Why we? I thought Brody had some sort of interest in Marco, uh, you know, some sort of sinister plan. But then it didn't seem that way. It seemed like the story they were telling was more that Marco now, that the other guys in Jurassic Express can't be there, is out here trying to prove himself to prove that he's worthy. What is why he's going against monsters like Lance Archer and Brody Lee, and he had a promo where he said, you know, how much more can I take? I guess we'll find out. And sure enough, he came out here and Brody just basically, it was like watching a grown man murdering a child. Yeah, which we, I mean, do, not, we was, do not condone in any way. It was here a little uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> but that was the point, I think. Uh, quick question before, we, before I give that. I want to call out yeah, uh, yeah. Kyle's super chat in here because it's relevant to what we were just talking about before. And uh, Thank you very much, Kyle. Five bucks in the super chat. It's been a year of spinning Sean Spears' wheels. They need to pick a direction and stick with it. I agree. That's kind of exactly Agreed. what I was just saying a second ago. It's like, I, I don't know what the direction is. They yeah. don't seem to know what it is. And it's just, they don't, 
I guess, I guess, like you said, Ian, he's just here working. Um, my, maybe, my, maybe. But the other question is, I mean, they have. A, I'm sorry, real quick, but to, they have a lot of self control in AEW. Like sure. maybe Sean doesn't know where he wants to go, or maybe he doesn't have a defined end goal. He's like, I just want to be here, being a good hand too. I don't know. We don't know. It's going to really show once they're back up and running. I think. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll show us something next week that'll give us a better idea. But yeah, it's definitely worrisome right now. It was a lot of fun when he was doing the gambling ringside with MJF. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you don't have a direction for him, just do that. Let him do filler stuff because that was absolutely brilliant. I, I, well, I, I like that part of it, and I don't want to get I don't want to get stuck in the Sean Spears. No, but rat that's hole that's again. also kind of spinning his wheels. Like he's there doing gags. Sure. You know what I mean? Like that's he's he's basically he's basically a, a bigger pineapple Pete. You know, he's just he's there to be a gag, and sure. I, I'd like to see more from him. If he's going, if they're going to do all the stuff with him, calling the chairman and having Tully with him, and these this feud with Cody, like, all right, do something now. Yeah, do something. Like, okay, you're looking for a tag team partner. What's up with that? Like, nothing's being finished. Like, it doesn't feel like there's any progress with that. So things are happening, right. but then they stop, stop, start. You know. Yep. Anyway, as we we're saying, Brody to, Lee. Yeah, back to Brody Lee and and Marco stunt. My thoughts here remain the same, and I feel like I'm repeating myself every single week when I say I don't want to see Brody Lee every week. And I feel like they're doing exactly what I feared they were going to do, which is oversaturation of someone that should right. be used as a final boss. And mm. I just where I, I understand the times we're in. Maybe Stu and and Evil Uno can't be around right now, or the Minions, uh, and they're working well, with limitations. Yeah. I think there, there's also rumors. We'll talk about it in the news later that. Florida is going to let them come all come back and they're going to start letting fans come back in and all that kind of stuff is starting to be a bigger conversation now. So I, you know, if we get to a point where evil Uno and Stu Grayson and the minions are the mainstays of everything to do with dark order. And then if they just can't get past some kind of obstacle, you break, you roll out the, yeah. the exalted one. Like Brody, Brody takes off his tie oh. and goes, Fine, I'll do it myself. Exactly. You know what I mean? Right. Go, you guys you know, couldn't goes and grabs get it done. I'll do it. You know. I'll do it. Like yeah. Go goes and grabs his Infinity Gauntlet and you sure. know. Fine, I'll do it. I'll do it myself. Yeah. But now, um, we're, now we're just seeing him. This is the second time in a month we've seen him beat up Marco Stunt, and I'm just sitting here going, eh. Well, the second time we've seen Marco Stunt get beat up. Last time it was Lance Archer, but yes, um, I, well, I know what you're he, saying. He's and squashing it, little dudes. Like he's squashing. No... He's squashing guys, and fine you want to establish him as maybe they're trying to establish him as that monster before he goes and sits on his throne you know what i mean maybe that's what Fair. it is and if, if if so and it's because of the limitations they're working with all right fine i just wish i feel like it's a missed opportunity for him to have you know here's marco he's without his, his the rest of his team he's without his friends he's vulnerable why not try to recruit him to the dark order why not make this something where he wants to maybe he thinks he's too weak i don't know give us his perspective here because otherwise it feels just kind of gratuitous yeah um but at the same time i like that they at least gave us a little bit of an, uh, an idea where marco's at why he keeps coming out and allowing himself to get murdered so yeah um i also wanted to point out that jericho threw a pot shot uh towards wwe or at least vince at the end there where uh he said oh yeah i'm really impressed by this brody lee guy you know he's I, i'm surprised at how eloquent he was you know i've seen him other places and you would never have known he was that eloquent, you know. He, he's, he was he's not some sort of weird southerner with a, with some goofy some sort of goofy southerner with a weird accent, you know, mocking some of the things that WWE was like that they would never had him talk. And when he did talk, Vince told him to put on a southern accent. Of course, he couldn't do it, and Vince hated it, so he never let him talk again. Again, with the pot shots, 
and uh, you know, in the orbit of Brody Lee, was this one like because we we've said before, you know, we're we're wary of pot shots. Um, I'm not gonna lie, Nick. This one made me laugh. But where are you at with pot shots right now, especially around Brody Lee? Like, are you are you like moratorium on them, or are you like, yeah, sure, every once in a while, why not? Sure, every, especially if it's Jericho on commentary, it's fine. If, oh, if so it's, when it's so when it's Jericho, it's okay. Well, they're not happening often enough where I'm getting annoyed by it. When we were doing okay. those video packages with Brody Lee, it was very on the nose. Um, but the last couple of weeks, it's you know, I listen. This, this is about this, as on the nose as like you can get. <laughs> but my point is, is like I, you calling this out, I didn't even really absorb that that's what it was in the moment. Okay, I'm just saying. So I, I don't my know. Point if, being, do we have I, a double standard a with shit. Jericho? Uh, probably not. Right. Okay. So so maybe a double standard when Jericho says, you know, a dumb idea from bad creative. Like, here's the thing. Jericho's on record as saying he loves Vince. Vince is his dude. He has no ill will. I, you know what I mean? So maybe we say, yeah, because we know it's not mean-spirited. He's kind of, you know, it's, that, it's the but tweaking. It, he's always been Jericho. He's always been a little bit of Y2J with those kinds of snarky remarks, you know? And that's okay. one of the reasons we love Jericho. And I, I just... I don't have a problem with it. I'm I'm okay with it. When we're doing entire video packages to make a caricature of Vince McMahon and and poke, you know, mean-spirited fun at him, I start to go, uh, all right, this is going to get a little long in the tooth here if we don't knock this off. But, yeah, little pot shots like that, it's fine. I see fine. what you're saying. So as opposed to you're, you're okay with, like, a couple of, like, little winking one-liners, but as long yeah. as it's not, like, you know uh, – what was what is it the um, the Nacho Man or whatever they did with us? It was a whole yeah. uh, a whole gimmick built around making fun of guys who screwed Vince over, kind of things. So you basically you don't want and, you don't want big you don't want big petty gestures, is what you're saying. By the way, we just had the Firefly Funhouse match at WrestleMania a few weeks ago, and that, there were more pot shots in that at WWE <laughs> and Vince than, than I've seen co- collectively on AEW. <laughs> So Dude, I read a, all a bets are aside, off at this point. <laughs> quick aside about that. I actually, I, I read a long article with uh, John Moxley interview this week where he was saying that he watched that and he popped for it. He popped for Vince saying that's such good shit yeah. in the Firefly Funhouse match at WrestleMania. He's like, that's, I, he's like, he's like, it's funny that everyone associates that with me now. And that being a pop culture thing that somehow came from that interview because anyone who knows Vince knows that's his line. He says that all the time. And always has, so it's it's yeah. That was just a funny little, little little aside about that. Yeah. Uh, we also had Britt Baker, absolutely, mm, mwah, fantastic little bit in her dentist's office with her quote unquote makeup woman Reba. Excuse me, <coughs> Rebel. Rebel. <laughs> Britt kept calling her Reba, and then he cut to. So the makeup lady, she's like, actually, my name's Rebel. And the whole thing is basically just Brit psychologically uh, torturing this poor woman, forcing her to give a positive promo about Britt Baker. Uh, and then Britt also having like a little, uh, like, like a, what do you call it, like a stand-up board where she points like out easel. all the ways to yeah. be. Like an easel. You know, where it points out all the ways to be a role model. One had her um, Twitter handle on it. She goes, oh, wow, how'd that get there? <laughs> I just, listen, I'm going to eat a 
big old heaping mouthful of crow right now because if you go back to the Jericho cruise, not even six, four months ago, five months yep. ago, whenever that was, yep. and she came out on the boat and started make tearing down Tony Schiavone right there in front of us. I was going, oh, no, this sucks. Don't you talk about my Tony Schiavone like that. <laughs> now and then we we watched it kind of slowly evolve over the first couple of weeks, and we were like, eh, this is brilliant. This is yeah. this is getting to the levels of I stand up and I go yes yeah. this is absolutely. she plays this perfectly and perfectly. absolutely lights out she she has gone that that was kind of the flashpoint where she really was like okay this is the kind of heel I can be and now she's at ringside hitting people with her shoe yeah and you know regularly mocking Tony Schiavone while pretending to be his best friend you know like the the board the how to be a role model you know don't be fat. And then she shows a picture of her next to Tony Schiavone. He's got this like big tummy out. Teaching you She's how like, to Photoshop it. and learn, all learn, that learn stuff. How to Photoshop. She photoshops <laughs> his gut in, and you know, don't have a snaggle tooth. They focus on Tony's mouth a little snaggle tooth. She's like, just don't smile. Listen, um, I don't. I don't want to. I'm not taking any credit away from her at all. But it also helps to have who you have at home uh, coming up with this kind of stuff. Well, as also. Well. You know. I mean, she's got a ton of support all around AEW, where they're right. obviously they're they're giving her a lot of rope to work with here. And this is the kind of content for your character that people should be doing across the board at this time where you have one person filming and one or two people in front of the camera in an empty dentist's office. You can do a bit like this, establish more of your character than we've seen in months. Um, you know, one of the things that we were discussing this recently, one of the things that was a problem with AEW when it first started was its characters. Yeah. If you didn't know who somebody was, they didn't tell you. And they had a really hard time with bringing in people they just assumed their audience would know and not giving them a backstory or a video package or anything. And Britt was one of them. They didn't. They were like, she's a dentist. And they also didn't know she's going to be a healer of face. And they kind of went wishy-washy with it. Um, but at a certain point, they made a hard decision to say, she's going to be a heel. And then she did the work to define that character. And now, in a very short period of time later, uh, that character has hard diamond edges and is nailing it in these kinds of packages that they're giving her. They need more of these for more of their people that have not gotten enough airtime. We don't know enough about them or why they're assholes if they're heels or why they're awesome if they're faces. So this was another great example of how to make how to build character in this time when you can't have that many matches. Yeah. And people may be on the sidelines. Not, you know, I mean, we also had, the next thing I want to talk about, the bubbly bunch, right? The entire inner circle at, at their houses, just, you know, uh, filming themselves and making a, a brilliant YouTube fodder, essentially like long-form TikTok video, which was, again hilarious and i i want to hate this because i'm like you should keep your heels heels but this is just too damn entertaining and too much fun yeah to not love it was you know? based and on one of the if you guys haven't seen it one of the viral tiktoks that went around over the last couple of weeks was the stuntmen doing mm -hmm. all the crazy stuff where they were like headbutting kicking punching jumping into the into camera, the camera and then, and then, and then, it, then that would and be another person falls away but they they took it up a level they took it to 11 they brought in lou ferrigno with a taser. They, with a taser. You had all kinds of cameos in this thing. Uh, oh, dude. It, it was a long list. And, and also celebrities, too. Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes were there. Uh, yeah, it was wild. They had a lot of they had, they had a lot of surprises. Every time that camera came back, you were like, who's going to be next? 
uh, Corey Taylor from Slipknot, Virgil. Vicky Guerrero. Vicky Guerrero. Are you kidding me? Um, it was hilarious. It was it, it was wildly entertaining. And all done from their houses. You know, just call up somebody, hey, do do quick one of these. You know what I mean? And you have a whole segment. Yeah. The flim Great. flam. The because because of the flim flam. Because Jericho of, yeah. is trademarking, apparently. Well, and <laughs> he was saying, obviously, I won the flim flam, not Sammy Guevara. And as a, because, because, of course, they were feuding about that, saying, oh, no, I won, I won. Well, let's have a good old-fashioned Manitoba melee. Right. And then it just turned into the TikTok. <laughs> it was great. It was, again, like I could complain and be like, why are your heels being so funny? But <sighs> it's too damn funny. I, I, I have nothing I to complain, complain about with about this. That. It's fine. Ah. It's fine. Inner Circle are going to be fine. Jericho's on commentary, and they're making TikTok videos. It, l- listen, it's a good time. And, yeah. uh, you know, if they all can't be in the – I think the inner circle is not the inner circle if they're not all there. And if they all right. can't be there, something like this as a video package to insert into with a weekly show, fantastic. Because it keeps them all together. It reminds you that they're all part of one unit, and it, it, it's good stuff. It's good psychological stuff. Agreed. Um, just a couple more quick things. Scorpio Sky got a little singles promo video again. They're really... This is this is uh, the second week in a row. It sounds like there's going to be more Scorpio stuff coming up. Um, and honestly, one thing I took away from this, Nick, was he said, you know, when I came into this group, it was basically just Kazarian and Chris Daniels. And I didn't want to just be like the other guy on this team. Interestingly enough, though, now they're making him the other guy, pointing out that he main evented with Jericho and he felt at home there and he wants to be the best he wants to be a legend. Um, he is the young guy on this team. If there's anyone on that team who hasn't really had a singles run, who could have a singles run, who we saw, Nick, the potential there, and I think AEW saw too, like this to me is smacking of SCU, maybe not even breaking up, but Scorpio branching out and having a legit singles career in AEW. They, I think they're seeing something in him. That's That's my takeaway from this. That was my hunch after seeing this is, AEW wants them some Scorpio. Yeah, it, at least it, as a singles. It, so do I, frankly. Uh, you know, yeah. he, had, he had that inaugural championship opportunity with uh, with Jericho there, and you know, it, then it's just kind of teetered off from there, and we end up in the situation we're all in now. And I'm, ex- I think they were really high on Scorpio Sky from the get go of Dynamite. I think mm-hmm. they're still, and they're finding trying to find a way to drive it back to that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they insert him into this. Could he be someone? that Sean Spears could work with. It's kind of where my head's going. Sean Spears needs a good face and have Scorpio Oh, I see. Yep, and then that gives Uh, time for Cody and Lance, and it gives time for Moxley and whoever, right? Except they they both need a big win and a feud is the problem. And again, you know, I'm I'm big on keep, like if, if, if they both need a big win, you know, don't sacrifice one guy for the other guy. If you potentially could have two big properties here like find some find some find somebody else you know even have even have a better guy for scorpio to lose to if that makes sense you know what i mean like if he went and had a few with lance archer and ultimately lost it he wouldn't it wouldn't hurt him as much as losing to sean spears does that make sense yes absolutely. so it's a matter of who he has a feud with totally and, and if he needs to lose yep uh which i don't think he does i think he needs to win agreed um at least ultimately Moxley is coming back next week. He was out in the Vegas desert 
looking all salty and saying, uh, that's right, I'm coming back next week. The, uh, whenever the champ comes back, people listen. Uh, don't forget to call your grandmothers, essentially, is what I took away from this promo. Mox is coming back next week. We're going to hear what that, he's got next. Don't forget to call your grandmother. Yeah, just, Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I love the way you just close wrap things up with that. It, it just it's like really, yeah. I thought it was weird. Yeah, <laughs> it was weird to me. <laughs> it's fine. Moxley's Moxley's a, a odd dude, but uh, yeah, curious what he, where he's heading to next. We're, I think we're going to find out what his next feud is going to be next week. I'm looking forward to that. Also, Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy looks like the the. the the picture they had was a broken Matt Hardy, but who knows who we're getting if it's going to be uh, uh, broken or regular Matt Hardy. Versus could, could, could we see like a crazy eyes Kenny coming and joining forces with with Damascus in some way? The last thing I want is for Kenny to act even weirder. Like <laughs> it, you know what I mean? Like he this already being, mugs this being the elite episodes with the toilet paper. Uh, that's yeah. Is he, he broken now because he wants all the toilet paper? Is that yeah. a could that be a new gimmick where Kenny comes out like mummified in toilet paper? Yo, when he called himself the cleaner, I had no idea he specifically meant his butthole. Right. So <laughs> it's, but they're it's, they're facing off against the sex gods next week, which should be a uh, my god. That's going to be a fantastic match, um, and also is going to be advancing the story of Jericho. And Hardy. So, uh, yeah, looks like a good show next week as well. It was a fun show this week. Um, and that's about it, Nick. I was, I, I dug the hell out of I'm, I'm still thinking about that Lance Archer match because that was just, yeah. it just was gritty in the right way for me. Yeah, and but all the Nick, drama that, surrounding it was, was what made it for me, too. Yeah, everything. It, was, it just hit on every cylinder. Yeah. I'm looking forward to those finals next week. Yep. But, Nick, speaking of big matches, we need to cut over and talk about NXT. At a certain point, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I really got tired of seeing Keith Lee fight the same two guys. It's been so long now that <laughs> I don't remember when that actual moment that I felt that was where I just went, again, really? <laughs> However, this match delivered. I can't I complain about it. Oh. It was it's, fantastic. You guys you love, know me. You love two Hoss big, matches. Two big dudes slapping meat. And they beat the hell out of each other. And it was entertaining as hell. And Nick's I just I like wanna be I wanna be upset that Keith Lee's still fighting Damian Priest, but I can't because it's good. Nick <laughs> likes it when big men's big sweaty men's get into a ring and get all big and sweaty together. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I can't complain either. I was the same way where I was kind of like, eh, Keith, Damian Priest, all right. Um, and part of that was just for whatever reason, Damian Priest isn't connecting for me. I, I freaking love him. I love him as a performer. I love everything he brings to the table. For some reason, he's just he's not jumping through the TV at me, especially when he gives a promo. Yeah. You know, he's got the voice. But it doesn't, it doesn't really – his delivery isn't – There's isn't, no animation to him. No. No, there's, there's perhaps no, yeah. he is undead. <laughs> Maybe it'd do a lot better if they made if that because right now they still haven't like giving promos in like a cutoff T-shirt. I'm like, dude, no, keep him in like full on vampire gear and make him the new Gangrel. Like, yeah. just, just, it, just go for it with he him. He needs a goblet and some crushed velvet, and he's good to go. Spit blood, like stop go with the fire the arrow thing. He's, he's already got the snaggled teeth for it. Like, just freaking yeah. go for it. Just go for it. It'd be it would be perfect for him, and you, that way you could get away with this whole kind of like nonchalant ennui that he has. 
where it, it just makes him feel like he might be a thousand years old because he doesn't really he couldn't really give a shit. You know what I mean? Maybe do that. I don't know. But all I know is once they get into a ring, it's gold. It's gold. It's gold. Is the city of gold? This was this was beautiful. And I, I, the only sad thing was there's there's two little things that kept this from being an all time classic. One is that it's so soon after seeing Keith with Dominic Dijakovic, who he probably has more in-ring chemistry with, and out-ring, but just in-ring chemistry with, than any other big guy out there. And so as good as him and Damian Priest are, they're not quite on that level. So by comparison, we're like, all right, that was good. Not as good as the Dijak matches, but, but it, was pretty, it was pretty damn good. Um, and also there's no crowd. And there's a bunch of spots in this where a crowd would have absolutely melted down. Him tossing a six foot seven, six foot eight man from the other side of the barricade onto the the ring apron like he was a stuffed animal. Yeah, and he <laughs> he, he pressed him and then held him there and like sort of sorted himself out and like, ah! took the temperature of the wind and said and yeah. then, then just hucks him <laughs> at the apron right. You know, I, I'm just good lord. And, and he's not sm- he's 260 pounds. He's punishment mark. Oh. Damian Priest is not a small guy. So I yeah just I I big, want to be upset at this boys. because I'm just I'm I'm over it but yeah God it delivers every single and time the, well the match end also kind of seemed to put a stake pardon the pun into into Damian Priest as well because he went to get the nightstick and distracted the ref but Keith was ready for it and you know took him out hit kicked him kicked him but when he when he was going for him grabbed the nightstick gave it to the ref double power bombed him and that was the match done so that puts damian priest to rest i mean maybe (laughs) we six months from now are we going to be having the same matches i i don't know Um, who else they got for keith lee right now i I mean obviously a lot of people and you know call it call in somebody but i don't know that was that was a pretty definitive finish to me yeah so it's 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 too bad that they had to give this one away in an empty arena, because that's, I think that's, that sucks for Damian Priest, where I, obviously, you know, from back when we were having TakeOver and it was the triple threat uh, with Jack Priest, and Lee, their goal was ultimately to have Lee kind of go back and forth between these two big guys and actually, you know, finish some feuds individually with them. Um, but man, that sucks for, for Priest that this is how it seems to have ended for him. Yeah. So hopefully they've got some other things lined up. Hopefully they've got some long-term plans. Here and and, a, and an end goal because as you said, Nick, it seems like it's just kind of treading water right now a little bit. And as much as and, and hey, we're having good matches, but okay, now what? Does anybody uh, it, again? Is it popcorn or does do people actually care uh, about this? That's that's my biggest concern uh, is making sure that we keep Keith Lee relevant because he is your NXT your sort of middle tier champion with that NXT North American Championship. And I want to make sure that thing stays relevant because it's it's been awesome since it's debuted. And I if we keep having this three man circle orbit thing around the title, I I don't know, man. I want I love seeing Keith Lee wrestle, whoever it sure. is. But I want to make sure I'm worried about the title right now. Branch out. Yes. Branch, branch out. out. Line drive mm-hmm. with another four ninety nine in the mm. super chats. Thank you. He said, uh, given the situation with Dream, do they have Keith Lee at take Cole's title? Not no, yet. Lee already has a title. Lee yeah, already has already a title. Got one. Uh, yeah, they're not going to combine I, I the think eventually, I think next year at WrestleMania, you could see 
you know, potentially Keith Lee in a NXT championship bout. Mm-hmm. I, not I think yet, that's, that's realistic, but not yet. No, we've got a long way there's, to go. There's other people they can put that title on, um, I, I, or just leave it on Adam Cole. Why not? Yeah, you know what I mean. I, and from they were advertising that Dream and Cole match still this week, so you know it, it looks like they're doing innocent until proven guilty with Dream. He still has that match. That being said, if he loses that match, we might have a better indication of what they're thinking of him. You know, they'll, yeah. yeah, go out, go out and work that match. We built up that match for however long. Fine, go out there. And if they feel like Dream hasn't done enough to prove his innocence with this whole scandal that's going on with him, um, maybe he loses that match. Maybe he gets just taken out, embarrassed. I don't know. I'm yep. very curious. That match is going to tell us a lot about Dream's future in the company. Yep. A lot. So he seemed like the chosen one to take that title off of Cole. Now, let's see what happens. Yep. Uh, speaking of champions, Charlotte Flair was in the house. To have her match with Mia Yim, I believe it was a non-title match. They were confusing Correct. me a little bit at the top of this, but yes, it was a non-title match. Um, and basically, it was a champion beats the good hand match. I hate to say it. Like, she called Mia Yim a good hand and proved that she was, which made me really feel bad for Mia Yim. Not going to lie. Like, she got some licks in, but at the end of the day, this match with just Charlotte is just better. You know, and uh, Nick, we were warning people. We're like, Charlotte going to come in here. She's going to beat all your favorite people. And I have no problem with that. Nick, I have no problem with Charlotte coming in and beating everybody and, you know, becoming the dragon until someone comes along to slay the dragon. I have no problem. I did initially. I'm coming around on it because what I've come to realize is that whoever ultimately does end up beating Charlotte and taking that back off of her Mm -hmm. is going to give one of the biggest rubs ever. Yeah, it's like it's like whoever beats Brock eventually gets a big rub, right? I could see it being Rhea Ripley coming back around at some point. You know, that's that was my speculation. Yeah, but the problem is getting it back. Here's the thing: we also had Io Shirai come out at the end of this match and you know get in Charlotte's face. Okay, she's the next one to lose to Charlotte. Fine. If you're gonna, this is what we've been saying since we realized this is the plan. If you're gonna have Charlotte do this, you've got to you got to keep your women that she's beating looking respectable. Yeah. And you can have her beat them clean and show she's better than them. That's fine. But Charlotte's crack about Mia Yim being a, quote, good hand, I think doubled down on this being a, a bad look for Mia Yim. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. That wasn't necessary. I understand why they did it because it's, oh, it's breaking the fourth wall, you know, getting that extra heat. Yeah, but it genuinely does actually hurt Mia Yim. Because that, you know, rea- perception is reality. If everyone starts perceiving Mia Yim as a, as a eternal mid-carder, it doesn't, it's not just the audience, it's a, it's, a, it's a vicious cycle. The audience is less excited about Mia Yim because they feel she's a mid-carder, permanent mid-carder, good hand, never going to go anywhere, never going to be the person you want to get behind because she's not going to win at all. And the audience gets cool on her. And then backstage they go, ah, oh, the audience is kind of cool on her. I guess she's just a mid-carder. And it just, it keeps cycling. And then ultimately, future endeavors. Yeah. Um, so it's... That, I thought, was a dangerous precedent to set in terms of how Charlotte is dealing with these women. Like, you've got to... At least EO is being presented as somewhat of a threat. You know? All of these women should be, should be presented as a threat, even if Charlotte doesn't take them seriously. Do you know what I mean? I do, but a year ago, we would have said EO Shirai was probably going to be the next NXT champion. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, is she not a big enough threat to be the one to take it off of Charlotte? And not I'm, anymore. 
Yeah, not anymore. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, Charlotte is so far beyond her, and Charlotte just won the title. To have EO be the first person, I mean, EO said in interviews, like, one of the things, one of the reasons she came to NXT was to face Charlotte. She wanted to face Charlotte. She's like, I want to go up against some of the biggest people in the world. Charlotte is one of the top women in the world, if not the top. I want to face her. Great, except now you're facing her at a significant disadvantage because you're her first feud after Charlotte wins at WrestleMania and establishes that she's the most dominant woman that's not on the main roster. Yeah. Yeah. And and also also on the main roster, she said, I've beat everyone. So she's kind of positioned herself as the top woman who's not named Becky. You know. And on any given Sunday, coin flip on her and Becky. So yeah, I, I don't know. This was this wasn't a good look for Mia. I don't think it's gonna be a great look for EO either. No. Um, it's a, it's a tightrope walk, Nick, they're, with how I, they deal I, with Charlotte. I, well, I think they're doing it as well as they probably can. I think they're spending more time focusing on Charlotte and making sure that she looks unbeatable and that she's going to go on this reign of terror, just tearing everybody down and beating everybody and going to go through the entire women's locker room. And at some point, somebody's going to catch her off guard and take the title back off of her and going to get that huge shine and i that's sure and then we find charlotte going back up to the main roster so i i listen i want to i'm going to sit back i'm going to let go of the reins i trust in the trips trust in sean and just go okay i i see where you're going with this let me see you pull it off i and i i also would love to do that as well nick but this week concerned me because of how they handled me yim yeah that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, we also had a tournament over here in NXT, the Interim Cruiserweight Championship Tournament, or as they would call it, the Disputed Title. Uh, not Undisputed, the Disputed Cruiserweight Championship. Right. We had uh, Tony Nese, who is currently 1-0. Uh, he, was, uh, he faced off against Drake Maverick, who is 0-1 and facing being let go from the company he doesn't win at all in this tournament. At least that's the story they're telling us, because they're the ones that fired him. Oh, so it's a career. Then, oh, so now they've modified it to where if he wins, he gets to stay. That's pretty much how they're selling it. Yes, I, I haven't read into that that far. Um, he, it's it's basically how he's established it with what his promos are and what he was saying in the ring is like. I need this. If I get that championship, they can't fire me because I'm their champion. Right. That's so okay. So I, I'm going to get up on my soapbox for a minute here. I started doing, I started this last week, and I'm going to double yeah, down on feeling. what I said last week. Out of feeling. If I find out, <laughs> if I find out that you assholes had Drake Maverick uh, come on Twitter and cry to do this, to ha- he didn't say, he said, they're going to let me still participate in the cruiserweight championship tournament, right round robin tournament, uh, but that but I have been released, and now if they're if I find out that this whole thing was I'm gonna be pissed. This is like one of that would be one of the, just the like How, bad form, dude. I don't know if we would ever definitively find out. I'm gonna assume. Both the best and the worst. I'm going to assume that WWE's left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. And the corporates fired Drake Maverick looking at his like match history and, and work rate because they pretty much fired all of catering, right? Like who's, who works the least? Who are we have sitting around? 
not doing anything. That's the people they fired pretty much. And Drake wasn't doing anything. And they didn't realize that he'd already been booked in a match. He hasn't, you know, they look, I'm speculating here. Look at his spreadsheet. How many matches have they worked in the last six months? Drake, none. Cool. He's out. And they, they take him out, not knowing that meanwhile, another division of their company has him booked coming up in a match in a series of matches. Right. And then Drake's response is genuine, but then they call him up and say, you know, you're actually, you, we Never are mind. still going to have you do this. Well, and they, they were going to do it with Sarah Logan too. We've got you in our 90 day contract still. You want to work some more? We'll pay you for those matches. And he goes, okay, sure. Uh, and they're like, it's a round robin tournament. And he's, and they like what they saw in that bit that, cause that Twitter video is captivating him genuine, you know, him genuinely crying. Let's hope Choked it's genuine. Me up. Right. It's effective. If it, if it doesn't and, make you emotional, you don't have a soul, you know? And, you know, wrestling does like to take from reality and twist it, to, so twist it into something that's affecting. They look at that and they go, oh, that's money. That's money. Then explain it to me. If, if that's the case, then explain it to us that in, a straight, in, an, in an amazing turn of events, Drake Maverick has become competitive and we'd like to give him a second opportunity or some, something. That's something. What, kind of what they did. It's kind of what they did. Is where well, they they're said, saying it you know, passively and be a commentary. You know, I it's. Oh, I think it's. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, they haven't. I like, don't have anything definitive that video. says Drake Maverick is still employed. They're know? saying he's not. He's this is this is his last ride. He's in this tournament until he loses, and he's saying, "But what if I win?" Right. That's that's the story they're telling. Yeah. Is he's fired. But he's being allowed to continue to perform in this tournament, which he was booked in before he was fired. Yeah. Which is close to reality. So I'm curious because now he won this week. He beat Tony Nese. He's still alive in this. He has to beat Kushida next week. Kushida to stay alive. This is a great story. If they fell backwards into this story and lucked out, good bully for them. Because this is great. This is good TV. This is good stuff. Drake is fired the hell up. This entire match was him getting his ass kicked by Tony Nese. And Tony Nese talking shit to him and mocking him. And then Drake sacking up at the end and having this incredible babyface fire and pulling off a shock upset victory. And then, you know, screaming into the camera and, and spitting and almost crying again. He's like, I'm still alive. I told you. I told you. I'm not going anywhere. That's good stuff, man. He is, he is, yeah. he has, you know, they cut his power line and he took it and injected it right into his veins. It's so they've made a good story out of it. I'll tell you that. Andrew, I, England, I'm not a, Andrew England with 499 in the super chat says vampire Drake Maverick will be the new champ. Is everyone going to be a vampire now? Yeah. Just everybody's <laughs> it, it's twilight NXT all of a sudden. That's the, the brood part two, right? Only instead of gangrel edge and Christian, it's Damien priest. Drake Maverick and I don't know Killian Dane. I'm a big hairy vampire. Right. He could be the werewolf. <laughs> Two vampires and a werewolf. Okay. <laughs> yes. It could be like Van Helsing. You have uh, Drake Maverick can be Igor. Ugh. I'm just saying. Uh, Kill shot versus King Quirino. Oh wait, sorry. <clears throat> Swerve Scott versus he Welcome who to the Lucha Underground podcast. Hello. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, Swerve Scott versus Ijo del Fantasma. Uh, uh, these guys go. These guys go back. They even mentioned they went back. They even mentioned they've they've they know each other outside of here, which I thought was cute. Uh, as you'd expect, a great match. Swerve Scott picks it up. So everyone's one and one now. <laughs> Everybody's one and one. Um, the only thing I took away from this, Nick, is that they're thankfully recognizing that Phantasma's uh, uh, tope from the depths of hell or the gates of hell or whatever they're calling it now 
uh, is just like the greatest tope in the history of topes. Yeah. Uh, they're letting him. They they have him as a, have it have it as a signature spot almost, which is fantastic. <sighs> the, Was listen, worried they were going to take that away from him. These two guys just lights out. Just just let them fight forever. As far as I'm concerned, uh, the the I this this just makes me want to go back and watch Lucha Underground all over again, starting from episode one. It just I I love both these guys. <laughs> I know, dude. That show was uh, so. Uh, line drive with another one ninety nine super chat Woo! says, "What do you make of EC 3s promo for Drake?" Um, first of all, thank it. you for that, sir. Thank you. Um, I loved it. I think so. I took that as covering all the bases. You know, they're setting up something for them to do after the fact. If Drake does, if they don't book Drake to win this, if it's like a near thing and then at the end it's a crushing defeat or whatever, I took that as, you know, let, let's set up something else just in case. You know, not, there's nothing certain about this. And also that underlined to me that this might have been what I was saying, Nick, it's not, not, um, not planned. Right. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Drake does get ultimately released and doesn't go all the way through here if he and EC3 end up going somewhere as a package. Um, one uh, of the things I, I, that, I don't think Drake's winning this. No? No. I don't think he's going to get past Kushida. I, I think we're going to get Phantasma and Kushida. I was, I was kind of looking at the numbers here, and technically Kushida could lose to Drake and win his other match uh, and be two and one and have everyone be two and one, but because Drake beat him in the one-on-one, -on -one, Drake goes through on a tie. That would still work, and that would keep Kushida strong because he won two out of the three, just like everybody else, and he loses on a, on a technicality, essentially a tie. So, it could happen. Could happen. I'm just saying. Wouldn't be mad at it. Uh, Candice LeRae, the poison pixie, I think that's what they're calling her now, uh, with her new weird pink hair and dark lipstick because she's so edgy, Nick. She's so edgy. She had a heel match with Casey Catanzaro, her old buddy, who she just demolished. It beat the crap out of her. Casey's a, Casey's a good little baby face to beat the crap out of. She looks good getting her the crap kicked out of her. Yep. What do you think about the heel turn, the Candace's heel turn now that you've seen her being a heel in a match and having Johnny there being her evil little cheerleader? About the same as uh, the dinner table scene from last week. You know, it, it's not connecting quite I, for you I'm yet. I'm not into it yet. It may, will I come around on it? Maybe. Great. You put some dark lipstick on and did your hair purple. I, you know, I did that. Does that make you evil? Does it that, worked. I mean, it, does similar that make you thing Ursula? worked for you know. I I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> you know, I just I, I I we've been along the ride with Candice LeRae for so many years now. I can't see her as anything else other than bubblegum Candice LeRae that does pretty awesome springboard lion salts. And I, you know, I got to insert myself there, Nick. Did you? Didn't you feel the same way about Dakota Kai the first couple weeks of her heel turn? Yeah, and I still feel the way. I, I still feel the same way. You came around on her. You did. I came around because mainly because Randy Gonzalez showed up, but that has that's fallen flat. That hasn't really gone anywhere. I don't know, man. I'm I'm a, I'm. A little down I think on Kai has made a great I'm a little deal. down on NXT right now. You are. A little you bit. are. I'm kind of shocked. Bit. Yeah. Well, I, I've got another one for you. Another. An, I, I, I'm also kind of on the fence with Candace still. But another thing that, that you might be down on, Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher in Know Your Bro, a game show with Byron Saxton hosting, 
And kind of like the kind of like the newly newlyweds game where right. they answer questions about each other. Uh, goofy, really goofy, really goofy. Uh, it, really it, goofy. It felt a little scripted. It felt like you've taken the bro out of his element a little bit. Um, it just didn't I don't, feel like he had the freedom to do what he normally does. I don't know. I. Maybe they're trying to inject some sort of personality in Timmy, into Timothy Thatcher. I don't know if he needs it. Um, I just, this didn't work for me. And maybe it's the lack of a crowd for the comedy spots. I don't, I don't know. Like, they were doing some goofy comedy stuff with Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle, but it felt more organic, like how much fish would Bobby Fish fry? Yeah. Like stoner jokes. You know right. what I mean? We're like, you're like, okay, those are dumb, but kind of funny because they're so dumb. This just felt like it was trying too hard. Yeah. And it fell flat yeah. to me. It didn't work. I, I, can't, I can't wait for Pete Dunn to come back and him and Thatcher to go at it. You know, that's stuff like, I, I'm yeah. just, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating. I'm, I'm hoping for the best of outcomes down the road I'm hoping for, for this kind of stuff three-parter all three of them team up against imperium or undisputed era yeah. and have three on three matches with those guys that'd be great stuff imperium eichner and bartell came out at the end of this to disrupt the whole thing so it looks like it might be imperium which i'm not mad at i those four guys it's gonna be a good match but this comedy stuff just didn't it didn't connect comedy is hard man yeah. comedy is so hard especially in wrestling and at least this wasn't vince's you know dumb sense of humor but it just, it, yeah, it didn't hit. I don't know whether to blame Byron Saxton or just the segment as a whole or the lack of audience. But it just, yeah, it didn't connect. Uh, what did connect was 10 bucks in the super chat from Abraham Castillo. Oh. What's Welcome, up, man? Sir. Thank it says, you. Thank you. Thank you. It says, you Nick, if you had to pick Naya or Candace mm. or just die and not watch wrestling anymore. We're talking, are we talking like uh, F. Mary Kill? Are we talking. In a, like to watch their one of their matches. Uh, Are we talking like? I mean, Candace. <laughs> anything but hashtag anything but Naya. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, I think if you say anybody next yeah. to Naya, I'm trying to think if there's anybody that you have more vitriol against. I have than to Naya. pick a favorite. I mean, Candace. Candace is awesome. I, I I have no no bad blood for Candace. Uh, I just don't get the heel turn they're doing with the heel turn's not connecting. The no. heel turn's not. Yeah, it's not working for you yet. I th I if, thought I you mentioned it before. I, I I hate to go backwards, but Dakota Kai. I thought the heel turn execution of it was brilliant at War Games. Uh, she the story they told about it absolutely oh, brutal brilliant. Hell. Brutal. It just, they never landed the plane. They never. We got to see that a little bit with Tegan Knox and her for a little bit, and then it just kind of petered out a little bit. This uh, is DOA, in my opinion. Like, it didn't even get get off the ground. So, I, I don't... And, and maybe that has to do with the setting that we're in. Fine. Uh, but I just... I, I don't buy it. She's... I don't know. She's been... She's been Mrs. Johnny Wrestling for so yeah. long that they haven't done enough time building up Candice LeRae, the, the character. Like, I, I want to see I'm more not investment a fan. in her. I'm not a fan of someone turning heel and then like the next week coming out the new haircut and being like, see, I'm a heel. Yeah. It just, it, I, I want to see a slow turn, these sudden shock turns. And then all of a sudden they come out, this is who I really am. And it's like, is it, yeah, is it, yeah, yeah, no. is it really, <laughs> because it doesn't feel like you, because it doesn't feel like they're comfortable in that skin yet. Do you know what yeah. I mean? As a performer, 
I feel like the Candace we had before was more naturally who Candace is. Yeah. So when she's going into deeper water and finding a character, like think about one of I think some of the one of the one of the guys doing some great heel work that I don't think has really shown itself yet, but it's it's kind of underrated. Is Seth Rollins right now? Mm. And think about how he's slowly built into this Messiah character. All the little like extra doodads he's added to the character, all the, all the little nuances sure. that he's added to the character over the months. Right when he turned, that wasn't all there. He did a couple of different things, but it's, he's slowly built into what he is now. He didn't just come out next week with a new haircut. Oh, I've spiked mohawk, and it's pink, and I'm going you know, to wear... Uh, Aren't I a bad pads. guy? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to come out dressed <laughs> like the Legion of Doom and like shoulder pads. I'm, so this is who I really am. Like that would have been obtrusive. It would it would have been weird. What's the thing from and Team that's America? Like, yeah, we're guards. Yeah, we're guards. Yeah, we're, <laughs> that's right. we're, ba- yeah, we're bad guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Trying, trying too hard. You Candace, know who's not trying hard? Candice is fantastic. I love watching her wrestle. We've seen her in the indies. We've seen her in NXT. We've seen a lot of Candice LeRae. This is just it's the the heel turn, you know, from one week to the next. It, it's just not landing for me. Sorry. Yeah, not yet. Uh, but you know who who is nailing being a scary guy is Dexter Loomis. He had a match against Shane Thorne and looked like proper Michael Myers kind of stuff. <laughs> like it was it was great. That, if, the, if there's one person that not having a crowd oh, or noise benefits, it's him. Yes, like just He's play just that lo-fi creepy. synth Stranger Things soundtrack music and let him stare at you. Right, Shane Thorne's stop looking into my soul, just, Dexter Lewis. And he just stands up and looks at him. It's like, oh god, he's gonna kill you. Yeah, great, good stuff. Again, I, I, you know, I'll say it every week until it happens. I think he needs a little bit more to his character, but for right now, the simple, the simplicity of it, like just. They're nailing it. They're nailing it. It's good uh, stuff. The fact they're keeping him around means they got plans for him. What are those plans? I don't know, but can't wait. Yes. Show I me. It. I love it. I love it. Put it in my eye holes. Yes. <laughs> Put it in my eye holes. Oh, well, guys, that's NXT, but we are not done yet because we had nope. one more show that went down last night over on Friday Night SmackDown. Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt. <laughs> yeah, that sounded like the commercial. Bray Wyatt. Yum. Bray Wyatt. Red Robin. Yep. <laughs> that's right. That's what it was. Red you guys Robin. are never going to unhear that. Bray Wyatt. Yum. Are you ready? Yeah, are exactly. you ready for a good? That's how you unhear it. You get that goddamn song stuck in your head. Ah. <laughs> the earworm that burrows no. into your brain and eats your soul. Gah. <laughs> oh. uh, actually, what's funny, the Rob, the Rob, the raw theme actually gets stuck in my head for a lot longer than the SmackDown one. I don't know why it does. Mostly because I hit mute on my TV when the SmackDown one's coming on until <laughs> ro- until I see Roman punch the floor at the end of it. And right, I'll unmute it. it yeah, seriously, hear it's it a thing. The now. entire show too. <laughs> anyway, uh, Bray Wyatt had something to say to Braun. Braun came out to the ring with his with his nice little Hasbro belt and. Uh, Started to call out Bray Wyatt when Bray shows up on the Tron to read us a bedtime story about the black sheep. And he was the story was all about how the, the the nice shepherd brought the black sheep into the farm, but then the black sheep got a mind of his own. And without even saying a damn thing, the shepherd went off and did his own thing and left the poor shepherd behind. And then eventually everyone left the shepherd. And the shepherd was left alone on the farm. And 
then the government came along and there was a lien on the farm and he lost the farm and then you know the reptilians came along and and took everything else from him because that's what that's what reptilians do i don't know if that was a shot at his brother but that was freaking a great line um but that's what bray was giving us and then braun comes back and says yeah yeah bray i don't care what you have to say just you know Fight me. If you got something to say, come down here and say it to my face. And Bray just kind of stares at him for a second and then just goes, okay, bye, bye, bye. And that was the segment. Was it just me, Nick? Or did that feel a, a little lackluster, like they could have gone other places with it? This whole thing feels lackluster, and I'm scared of what's going to come out of it because one of these guys has to lose. Yeah, and it's going to be Braun. It's going to be Braun. It's going to be Braun. This is this is just a transition. He's a transitional champ. He is the classic transitional champ. And if they have him beat Bray, I'm gonna burn something to the ground because that you can't at this point. What are what are the chances of a Schmoss finish with these two? Because I feel like there's more story to tell here. We haven't even gotten into like how he came to be a part of the Wyatt family. I, I feel like there's an opportunity here, and they just went nope straight to the match. And I just, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I wait. That's yeah, where, that's so where I'm, I, I kind of throw my hands up because I'm like, there's so much you could have done here. Yeah. You could have you could have established such a cool backstory for Braun. Yeah. Like where he came from, how Bray found him. You could have given so much more depth to Braun's character. You know, one of the things that, you know, as an old, old, old comic book fan, that, you, you know, when I was growing up, Wolverine didn't have a backstory. And the the big stories behind like all the Wolverine comic books when I was growing up was he has no memory. He doesn't know where he came from, you know, is was Weapon X, his involvement in Weapon X. Was that really real? Was that another part of his brain implants? Like, we don't know. He was was he a Canadian uh, secret agent? Did he actually spend time in Japan? Like all of these things in his history, we didn't know if they were real or not or brain implants, false memories. We didn't know. He was a man of mystery. He didn't have a backstory. Right. And. That was cool. You can have that. You can have a guy who has no backstory, but they played up that something crazy happened to him in the past, but we just don't know what it was. A few things it could be. And that gave you a lot of intrigue. You don't have to have a definitive backstory because ultimately when they gave him a definitive backstory with the bone claws and being born in the 1800s and all that stuff, it was dumb as hell. Wolverine's backstory sucks. His, his canon backstory sucks. It's stupid. And the thing with Braun here is they're giving him nothing. We're not getting the full stupid backstory like Wolverine, but we're also not getting the weird intrigue, right? Okay, Bray found him, brought him on the farm. We know we were there for that. What happened before that? You don't have to tell us everything, but give us some suggestions. Give us some suggestions as to who Braun was before all of this. That's going to help Braun's character. That could only help him. Give him some intrigue. Give him some interest as opposed to Braun, Braun, big monster among men, a white armpits with Alexa Bliss shirts. You know, give us something. Use the, and that's going to make him more interesting. Use the strongman stuff. He, he used to be a big time strongman guy for you guys that don't know. He was really into, he was in Mark Henry territory of, of yeah. doing those strongman competitions. And that Mark, Mark's the one that brought him, Mark, Mark the one that brought plucked him. him out of obscurity from the strongman competitions where he was sleeping in his car. And that's that's how we got Braun. Um, but realistically, it really was the Wyatt family that put Braun mm-hmm. on the map. And of I feel like there's so much. Make it up. Make, Make it, it up. up. 
there's there, there's absolutely nothing written. Tell Bray us Wyatt, a tale, Bray Wyatt. Yeah, Bray Wyatt's got a whole backstory that's mysterious, right? We know about we can we can guess about Bray Wyatt the character from the time he was a child on, right? Because he's given us hints about that. We don't we can't say for certain, but there's an intrigue to that because he's given us hints. It's why it makes him such an interesting character. Yeah. The Fiend and Sweater Bray are the same guy as Rocking Chair Hawaiian Shirt Bray. They're the same person. They've just evolved. Yep. Right? There is a through line to that character. And they've told us the, how that story of how it all evolved with the Firefly Funhouse for the last nine months. Right. And you could, you could with Braun, even have Bray make up some sort of like slightly supernatural uh, or you know maybe a little bit more intriguing backstory for Braun and include the strongman stuff. He, Braun didn't know why he was growing up so big and strong. He just, you know, something about it, something about the way he was raised. And Bray saw that, and Bray saw in him something that was a little bit more than human. And he, he cultivated Bray had been there Braun's entire life, but Braun never knew it, right? Something like that. But no, all we get is, all we get is this, which fell a little flat. Yeah. It was just, mm-hmm. You know, you, you have the ability to, to go big, and they went to, like, a 3 out of 10. For almost five years now, you've been looking for something to give Braun some, some oomph, some story, some life, some, some chutzpah. You know, it's just something. <laughs> give chutzpah. Yeah. Some kind of gravitas other than being, Braun, big scary monster man. <sighs> This was such the perfect opportunity to do that. And it was like, nope, match. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah. Championship, transitional. Goldberg, fiend. Got to get back to fiend. And I, you're just, you're forsaking something that could be absolutely amazing and could put Braun on the map as your company guy for years. Or and even if as not a that. huge Braun fan, yeah. and I've been waiting for that moment for years, and it's here. You, you've, you had it in your hands, <laughs> and you've just squandered it just so you can sell $2,000, $6,000 title belts. Well, and it's it's more just the lack of creativity involved here. Like, you're, you're going only so deep with it, and there's nothing saying you can't go way deeper. Why, why don't you? What's stopping you? It's not like it's going to change the match or the outcome of the match. It's just going to give us more, th- more things to think about. One of the things that was great about that that, that WrestleMania uh, Firefly Funhouse match, as you may have found out if you listened to our bonus episode that we, where we broke it all down, was there was a lot going on there. They went deep as hell. There was a lot you could pull out of that. And the difference between how deep they were going with that and how deep they're going here is a, a vast difference. And there's nothing saying that they couldn't have added just a few more layers here to this Bray and Braun thing. There's nothing, there was nothing stopping them. Yeah, and it just it kept it very surface level. That's it's disappointing. Yep. Um, but what's not disappointing is that Money in the Bank is coming up next week, and we had some more qualifying matches. The, we had Scott, the versus, saga of whoop. Mandy Rose and Otis Nozovich oh, continues. It does. Woo. It does. It's the it's the best thing on SmackDown right now. Call a spade a spade. Otis, Mandy, Sonya, and Dolph. The best thing on SmackDown, and we had all of the pieces involved here. You had Mandy Rose having a match against Carmella for who would be the final woman in the Money in the Bank contest. Mm. And as you would expect, in the middle of the ra- in the middle of the match, Sonya Deville came out to the top of the ramp and started talking shit to Mandy Rose 
Actually, was what was hilarious was the first half was her saying, "Oh, I'm not here to distract you. I just wanted to, you know, come out and talk and just, hey, you're really doing a really good job out there." And yeah, it was very like kind of cheery and chipper and wouldn't shut up. And it was hilarious, Nick. Yeah, it fantastic. was fantastic. It was it was what a distraction should be when someone comes out of the top of the ramp and just kind of stands there. It's a little lame. This felt like someone was in the back and wanted to mess with the person in the ring. And so they came out and said, hey, 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 yeah. hey. You know, <laughs> come out there like Navi and Legend of Zelda. Right. Hey, listen. What's the, what's the, where they do the thing with David Attenborough, super cowards? Evan! Evan! <laughs> Evan! Right. So it was so that was great. And ultimately, of course, she distracted Mandy and Mandy had a super kick from Carmella and lost the match. And then Sony proceeded to beat the absolute crap out of Mandy. Whew. Threw her into the stairs and left a big old nasty scrape bruise on that that big old thigh of Mandy's. Uh, that perfect skin had a blemish, gigantic blemish, and they were backstage looking at it. And you could tell it was genuine because it wasn't makeup. There was skin peeled up off that scrape. It looked nagarly. Nagarly. Uh, nagarly. <laughs> Or is it Gnarly? It's 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 whatever the hell I say it is. Now. All right, all right, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. But uh, Otis was there checking on his peach, and was very upset. The doctor said, "Hey, Otis, could you give us a second? And Otis Otis <laughs> huffs off, and as he goes outside, he's met by Dolph Ziggler, who comes up and seems to genuinely say, "Hey, man, is Mandy all right?" And Otis just stares daggers through a man. Just, what are you doing here, dude? Doesn't even say anything. Just stares at him until Dolph Ziggler goes, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to, I'm going to go. And he leaves and Otis is, we go to commercial and Otis is staring daggers after him. And of course, they, they have a match later. But before that, we see Sonya and Ziggler backstage talking in hushed tones about how evil they are and how they're going to beat Otis. And then Dolph might have a path back to Mandy. And then, you know, we can turn Mandy to the dark side or whatever. It was, it was more of this drama. And then we have the Otis and Ziggler match as the main event. And Otis beats Dolph Ziggler clean as a whistle. Which I think safely it's safe to say, Nick, puts Ziggler firmly in his rear view. Yes. Until the, until, you know, if there's something more. I guess my questions here are I've got a couple questions for you here, Nick. Okay. Um one, do you think that was the appropriate way to finish the women's Money in the Bank qualifier, having Mandy lose to Sonya? Mella goes into Money in the Bank. Um, and then with Otis and Ziggler, Otis beats him clean. Is that the end of that? Or do you see all of this coming back around and this whole feud between this foursome continues? So before I answer that, Esme with 20 bucks in the super chat. There's a whole uh, side conversation about throwback early 2000s music happening right now uh, in the chat. <laughs> she says the phenomenal awesome. ones have great taste in music. Absolutely. Lo hashtag, hashtag love this group. Uh, thank you very much, Esme. Really appreciate that. Thank you, Esme. And thank you to everyone out there in the chat who's making it great. Yeah, yeah. you we guys have fun it. in there. Um, you guys are awesome. My take, listen, I, I think Mandy, as things have progressed in the first half of 2020, would have been a more credible face competitor to go into the women's Money in the Bank ladder match when you're faced with Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, etc. I, I I don't like Carmella going in there. Yes, I know she's won it before with the whole Ellsworth thing, and she was a SmackDown Women's Champion. I get it. I, I just I feel like that shine. She's has, calling herself a two-time winner. <laughs> Did she won one? She did. And, they and then they made it. him redo it. <laughs> so she's a. I, technicalities, right? 
<laughs> I I really oh, wanted th- so there was a moment here when Sonya came out to interrupt and distract that you the camera was a wide shot going over the ring up at Sonya and you saw Mandy just kind of huck Carmella out of the way like she was going to go after Sonya and she did kind of address her at the ropes there and then you know Carmella caught her with that super kick. I was like, "Oh yeah, just Carmella's not even an issue. Just huck her out of the way." And I, that's where I started reading into this. Like, we're gonna get more Mandy and Sonya. Sonya's gonna interfere in the Money in the Bank match, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it makes no effing sense to me why you have Carmella go over here. Um, because no. the whole thing to me, no, no, why? What? What? Because how is what she even is- relevant? She had the thing with Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke's gonna go in. I'll tell you why you because Carmella had nothing else to do, Nick. One of the things we always say is give all the women something to do. Right, Mandy and Sonya has something to do. Carmella, if you don't have her in this match, doesn't got nothing to do. So that this way you keep Carmella relevant, you keep her doing stuff, and you don't need Mandy and Sonya in the Money in the Bank right now. They've got their own thing that's really that's really popping. But you you already had the thing with her and Dana Brooke, and Dana Brooke is going to be in the left. So now, why even have the thing they before that? They got shit. Dana Brooke in there. That's but that was kind. Of, let's if I'm going to get Carmella and Dana Brooke figuring out their ish versus Mandy and Sonya figuring out their ish, I'll take Mandy and Sonya. Not, not what every I'm saying. Time. It's not that binary. That's not it. No, listen. Now it we is, can, now we can't have a Sonya interference to screw Mandy. Out of her cha- uh, money in but the bank briefcase opportunity. No, but you but you got Dana and Carmella both in the money in the bank match. They got care you less. have a story right there, <laughs> so they can screw each other out of that. So that story is more minor, right? It's not as as good as Mandy and Sonya. So that can be a minor part of the money in the bank match, and then you can go have a, a much better feud with Sonya and Mandy over on the side. It's a much more engaging match. Yeah, we're gonna, we're going to agree to disagree sense. on this one. We are, we're not going to agree to disagree. You're wrong. Oh, come on. <laughs> Line drive with another four ninety nine super chat. Thank you, sir. Says, I think Otis's story with Dolph is tied up with a bow for now, but it's Mandy and Sonya's turn to shine away from a title. Sonya and Mandy yes. have heat without money in the bank. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. See? See? Fine. See? I'm, See? I, I'm trying to insert my nick booking where Mandy Rose wins the money in the bank. This is if the you problem. Guys remember that. Nick Booking is done. It's over. It let is. it go, man. We're never doing that again, by the way. Let's, I hope let you guys really enjoyed that because I'm never doing let that again. Let it go. <laughs> by Please. the way, patreon.com slash BWO if you want to hear it. <laughs> yes. Luckily, this is the real world and Nick Bucking doesn't apply. And Mandy is not in Money in the Bank, but Carmella is the way it should be. And Otis is going in as well, which is going to be very entertaining. Yes. Uh, for everyone who wanted to see the uh, Otis burst through a wall at somewhere in the... Oh, in, yeah. Yeah, it's you might you might you might get your wish. You might get your wish. Uh, yes. Um so yeah, good stuff. Daniel Bryan and Baron Corbin had the longest match ever to start the show. Snooze. Long- oh my god. I love Daniel Bryan and there's times where Baron Corbin I think does great work. This one though just oh. Uh, I wanted to be engaged. I, they were they it wasn't like they were they weren't doing good work. It's just I just didn't care. And to open the show, it just felt and really to open flat. The, and, it, and it went forever. And then it ended on a schmoz finish. Corbin hits him with the ladder outside. Oh, call for the bell. Daniel Bryan gets beat up by Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. And, uh, 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 
I I want to love that. I love a lot of the components here, but this was this was this suffered from a lack of creativity. Here yeah. we here we go. As as good as the story writing is with Otis and Mandy, this suffered from not having enough to it. Yeah, you know, Corbin, Corbin and Daniel Bryan have beef because Corbin beat up Gulak. Um. So Brian's got beef with him. He wants to, he's going to go to the money bank. They're both going to be in the money in the bank together. We're going to establish some story between the two of them. Okay, fine. But this was just too much for too little. Yeah. Is what this felt like to me. You had way too much time spent without giving us anything. Agreed. And at the end, you know, at the end, okay, Corbin beats him up the ladder. Okay. That's it. Yep. Yeah. So Snooze fest. Uh, what's not a snooze fest? Line drive with 1999 Ooh, in the super chats says. You. At what point is WWE going to break this cycle of Corbin as a heel? It's a main event feud. Get goons. Lose feud. Mid card feud. Repeat cycle. At some point, it's either commit to him being something or keep him in the mid card. I'd say they're pretty committed to him being an upper mid-card heel right now. Yeah. I'd say this that's exactly what he is and it's not even get goons, it's just, you know, Daniel Bryan already had beef with uh Nakamura and Cesaro because of his feud with Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn right now is not coming out of his house because he doesn't want to work during this whole uh thing that's going on right now that we can't say because YouTube will demonetize us. Right. But um but Sami Sami's not there. So Cor- Corbin is a kind of a surrogate for Sami right now. Um, and I don't think that that's because they don't have anything for Corbin. I think that that's just, you know, it, they're trying to clean up, uh, when they only have so many people right now and there's worse things in the world. Let's be clear. There's worse things in a world, in the world than Baron Corbin and Daniel Bryan having beef, especially sure. when they're going into a money in the bank where they're both going to be in there and, and establishing that they have pre-existing beef is a good idea. Um, I, I'm, I'm not arguing with that. It was just in this instance, there was too little to sustain a match of this length. Yeah. Way too long. And this whole issue. Way too long. I Uh, I actually, I'm a big fan of Solo King Corbin without the royalty stuff of being carried out on a chariot and stuff like that. I I like where he's at right now as an individual, as a promo, and as a performer, but that was not the problem here. Big, vicious, pompous bully is... Perfect for Corbin, especially when you have when you put him over as being capable of beating someone's ass, like the way he beat the crap out of Elias, right? Right. Like he he looked like he was genuinely hurting the Terminator dude. Corbin. That, that's that's what I want to see. Yeah, or if not even Terminator, then you know the Kurgan Cor- uh, Corbin. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Seriously, like that's what I'm thinking of. Like the Kurgan. Can you beat him? Can you slow him down? Yeah, but ultimately he is the big bad. He's a big bad that's that's you you should genuinely be scared of, and that's that's I think uh, the niche that when he's at his best he fits into. Yeah, and it's kind of what they were doing here, but again, just not enough meat for this sandwich. Yeah, you know, you give us a whole lot of bread and not enough filling. And if you're vegetarian, then you know whatever you get vegetarians put in a sandwich, pickles and. Cucumbers. When he became king, king of the ring and he won that, I think one of the things I remember saying was that I want him just running around and for imposing his will, right? Yeah. As, as king, uh, think of it as a play or a different version of the Constable Corbin kind of thing that he was doing. Now he's King Corbin, but he's backstage roughing dudes up and he's mm-hmm. you know influencing matches one way or another. Like, but to have a 
20 minute technical match to open SmackDown <laughs> with Daniel yeah. Bryan of all people. It just it yeah. just fell it was just really misplaced. Yep. So. It was it was it was starting the car, giving us that ACDC song, putting him to third, looking like you're going to shift him to fourth, and then going right back down to first. Right. Was, oh, oh, you blew oh, the transmission. Oh, you're done. Oh god, <laughs> yeah, you're done. Uh, luckily, they had plenty of other things on the show, like the uh, Money in the Bank qualifiers and the Forgotten Sons versus the New Day. Oh yeah. Which oh, ended yeah. in a very which. Uh, <laughs> which ended in a very surprising fashion. Thank God we had Miz and Morrison on commentary here because they were, they were uh, a light in the darkness. They were gorgeous. Oh come it was on! Hilarious. What? This was this was fantastic. What was fantastic about it, Nick? The the forgotten list. Okay, all fandom aside. Uh-huh. Seriously, uh, all fandom aside. Genuinely. Uh huh. You have, no, a, new, no, go, you have a new tag team debut on the main roster, and they don't yep. just get completely buried for six weeks. They actually come okay. out, look like a threat, and they actually get one over on the champs, and it's good old tag team wrestling 101. Yep. Now you can assume that they're going to get a title opportunity because they pinned the champions. And Yeah. Yes. I was, I was a big fan of the Sanity debut too, Nick. That's, that's interesting you bring them up. Yeah. Hey. I said it. I'm Forgot, just saying. I, Forgotten I don't, Sons I don't, just beat the New Day guys. Right, and so did Sanity when they debuted. Yeah. And what happened to them? Yeah. Yep. I don't take. I don't rate this at all yet. I, I actually think this is. I don't know. I'm, I think I'm you're just scared of Jackson Riker main eventing WrestleMania next year. That's all. I'm scared of Jackson Riker. Uh, if I was alone in a room with him, I'd probably pee myself. But yeah, I, right. I am not scared of him main eventing WrestleMania, in the slightest, <laughs> because that will never happen. It will never happen. They say never to say never. I'm saying never. I'm saying never. Oh. At any rate, okay, Forgotten Sons beat the New Day clean. Looks like they're in line for a title shot. Uh, Miz and Morrison are being snarky about everything. Okay, fine. I, I, th- I think the Forgotten Sons, like the, the clock is ticking. <laughs> as, I, as I was just saying with the, with the, you know, referring to sanity, the clock is ticking. Either they're going to make Vince happy and get over real quick or they're going to be gone in six months. And I don't think that they're a interesting enough package, good enough workers. Uh, they don't have the longevity that they're, they're going to need. Something else has to happen with them. Yeah, split Something Jackson Riker out into singles competition. Oh, shut up. Oh, my I'm, God. I'm, it's going to happen. Then they are dead in the water. They, they, if they do happen. that. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't know if Blake and Cutler can sustain a tag, any kind of tag team run, uh, championship title run, any whatever that might be. But I mean, Riker. I think Riker is the the diamond in the coal right now uh, of Blake and Cutler. Like I, I think that they're the eyes are going to shift from the Forgotten Sons as a trio. It's it's going to focus in real sharp backstage on Jackson Riker. That's that's just that's my theory. It's going to happen. I'm I may get my ass beat for this, but I'm going to start calling them the Forgotten Good Hands. That's what I'm going to start calling them. Oh come on. All right, I, fine. That's that's what I'm saying. They're they're really hey man. They've got. Good moves. They're pretty clean. Like they're they can go out there and work a good match, and, and that's their ceiling. That is the their eight-time tag team champions. That, that is their ceiling. Yeah, you congratulations. Go out there and win the titles and have a have a reign that means anything. Okay, I'm not sold. I'm not sold, as, as you might be able to tell. Um, they're probably going to have a title match at Money in the Bank. Lose that. I don't know. I'm I'm not seeing it. What is New Day going to have a transitional eighth reign? 
Uh, why put it on New Day if you're going to do that? It's it's. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I hear Weird. you. I hear you. So, Tamina got jumped by Sasha and Bailey. Sasha came up and was acting all nice. Bailey tried to jump Tamina from behind. Tamina caught her, but she didn't see Sasha coming from the other direction. They started beating up Tamina, but then Sasha, sorry, Lacey Evans, Lacey Evans came along to save Tamina. We had a nice little backstage brawl. It was actually a nice brawl, a little pull-apart brawl uh, with the two sides yelling at each other. We're going to have a tag match between the four of them next week. The Tamina spin around to grab Bailey by the throat was very nice. I, I mm-hmm. quite liked that. Um, I'm not mad with Tamina being built up as a, you know, kind of a, a, a monster. But it, it's, you know, it only, again, it's only so deep. It only goes so far. We have a match with Tamina and Bailey at Money in the Bank. Lacey and Sasha are still circling. We're still maybe on, off, going to have a Bailey-Sasha thing. I don't know. There's... There's a whole lot for a whole little right here, Nick. They keep start stop starting the the Bailey Sasha thing, and it's starting to get a little annoying. So it's I, it's taking too goddamn long. We yep. all know where you're going. Just freaking pull the goddamn trigger. This isn't yes. Otis and Mandy where you're building it up for months and you actually have an interesting story that is evolving. Nothing's freaking evolving. Yeah, Sasha is having issues with how Bailey's treating her. Okay, great. Do something. Do something. Put some fertilizer and some water on this plant because it's dying. Yep. Yep. My God. Uh, it's just... Uh, <laughs> go somewhere with this. You've got the talent. You've got the parts. Put something together. It's been eight months, nine yeah. months since Sasha Lacey's- came back and attacked Natalia at SummerSlam. What's... What? What you got? The what the hell are you going to do? Is is Lacey trying to go for the championship, or she does not like them? Like, what is what are her intentions? What? Huh? Yeah, I don't know. Bailey's Bailey's getting blown out of the water by uh, by AEW and Britt Baker as far as the role model heel gimmick. Do something. Yeah. Do, do something. Do, put some gas in this tank. Come on. Uh, they got some gas in Sheamus's tank, Nick. He murdered Leon Ruff, poor guy who you may remember giving one of the best sells of the Black Mass of all time. He also really sells the Brogue kick well. Yeah. Because he, he did. Uh, he's, a, he's a fantastic enhancement guy. That's what you want an enhancement guy to do. Go out there, look like he's going to get killed, and then he doesn't just get killed. He gets absolutely destroyed, and he sells like a goddamn champ. Can I also say um, that one of the best things that have come out of not having an audience is hearing Seamus do the 10 beats of the Bowery and it reverberating throughout the entire the performance center. Hearing that meat. Foom, 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 foom. Yeah. Just, oh, good God. He's really hitting the shit out of him. What good was it? Lord. Who was it? Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. The, uh, the, the, New, the New Zealand, the Australian rugby player they had in the, the Roman Reigns clone. I'm trying to remember his name. Um, oh, God. I that was last week, right? I don't remember. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago. Might have been last week. Ugh. I don't remember the one that the one that Seamus killed. I, I know who you're referring to. I don't remember his name. Was it Daniel Vido? Mini, Mini Roman. Yeah, um, that was what we're or or was it the week before that where it was? Um, no, let's Denzel not, let's not get hung up on it. Let's go. Okay. Well, <laughs> bottom, <laughs> bottom line, he's hitting him so hard that dude like he was curling up. He's like, no, stop! Make it, I can't. Yeah. I can't sell it for you. It hurts. Yeah. Oh God, it hurts! Make yeah, the no, bad man stop hitting me, <laughs> mommy. Yeah. 
They told you told me there'd be days like this. Right. I mean, Leon just sat there and took it, and you could just, you could just hear it. he was beating his heart through the back of his spine. Like you're waiting for his spine to just blow out. Right. Afterwards, Seamus gets up on Michael Cole's face, like you're going to talk about Jeff Hardy, aren't you? Well, fine, go for it. Tell me about Jeff Hardy. So they play another Jeff Hardy video package. This one talking all about how ready he is to come back to WWE. He's been through his dark times. He's ready to come back and redeem himself. And Sheamus says, all right, fine. Well, if Jeff Hardy's going to be here next week, I'll be here too. Michael Cole. <laughs> I think Michael Cole soiled himself. Absolutely. Michael. Michael, Michael Cole crapped out his soul. <laughs> And Seamus stalks off. So it is, it is official, Nick. We were right. Seamus is going into a program with Jeff Hardy. Wh- okay. You have the newly returning Seamus. You have a returning Jeff Hardy. You would why, assume why am they I both supposed to care? Wins. Well, I, you know, they honestly, this is one where I feel like I felt like they were going places with this. You have Seamus coming out, killing guys, and then getting mad about Jeff Hardy promo videos being played after his match and taking away from his win. That to me is, if you're going to have a little kind of like side feud building, you can do worse than that. That's not bad. Okay. Like you're establishing why Seamus would be irritated at Jeff Hardy. And then you can build from there. Sure. So Jeff Hardy comes back. Now Seamus is already irritated. Oh, you're the guy they're all big on because you're coming back. Big freaking deal. I'm going to kick your ass. Okay, cool. Now I'm interested. I'm interested to see what Seamus and Jeff Hardy are going to do. My question is, Who's going to win in this? I assume it's going to be Sheamus because I feel like right these days he's got a bit more upside and Jeff Hardy's kind of on the downswing of his career and is kind of just going to come in and put over guys. That's my sense. But then again, they could see some more marketability in Jeff Hardy and actually have him go over Sheamus, but that's bad for Sheamus. This is an interesting quandary here, Nick, because I feel it's two guys who, again, need a win to get a little fire under them, right? Oh, legitimate. I mean, Sheamus has been winning forever, so, I mean. But you know. but in a way where he needs to keep winning, otherwise it delegitimizes him. He's beating enhancement guys. I, I He's get beating that, job. Yeah. I mean, how do you bring yeah. Jeff Hardy back and have him get murdered and beat down like these other jobbers? Have they, haven't they been trying to establish that well, Sheamus is an unstoppable monster at this point? Sure, so you have to have him roll through Jeff Hardy is how, right. how I feel. And here you have a re-debuting Jeff Hardy after all the shit he's been through, and he's going to come back and get steamrolled by Sheamus too? I think so, and I think it's part of it's going to be you could even possibly attribute it to WWE pettiness where it's like, all right, you embarrassed us. You embarrassed yourself. Take take a couple of pins, pay your dues, and we'll give you a win down the road. Yeah, I thought Shorty G was bad. Oh, man. Yeah, that, where's he? That, you know, How'd that gimmick go over? Did that gimmick go over well? No, I'm just I'm, – man, for, we were the, proven wrong about forget, that, weren't we, Nick? Forget the gimmick. I'm talking about like uh. when Sheamus first re-debuted and came back. There yeah. was some. There was a little bit of fire there with those two backstage, and there was some heat on that. And they could have taken it somewhere, and it it had legs. You could have had Shorty G showing that he was a big, strong, you know, smaller guy, but I mean, still strong. Sure. He's an Olympic athlete for God's sakes. You could have put him over with that, and with that gimmick, you've got to have him win. Otherwise, yeah. people aren't going to get behind him, especially against a bully like Sheamus. Oh, I know. Let's roll out a dude with a ton of face paint and gauged out earplugs, and you know, some crazy fishnets, and oh, he's he's Who's one a of the, legend, one of the legendary Hardy Boys. But he's a le- he's a legend, and if Sheamus, be- Sheamus beats him, it re-legitimizes Sheamus. Sheamus beating Chad Gable didn't do anything for either guy. That's why we were bitching about that at the time. It didn't yeah. help either of them. It was a dumb idea. It was a dumb idea. Dumb. It wasn't as dumb as the idea of Shorty G, which is the dumbest idea. <sighs> 
in a while. Is the dumbest? Well, no. Lana Lashley Rusev. What's but, not dumb is line drive with yet another four ninety nine in the you. super chat. Hold, said holding up the super chat today. Yeah, it's making it rain today, Kyle. I love it, brother. Thank, Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. Uh, anyone else disappointed? Sheamus didn't go full Heidenreich on Cole over <laughs> Jeff Hardy. <laughs> we um, could still go there. Yeah, we, we're we, not it, done yet. This has got not done this yet. Got time. Man, someone really wants to see Cole get butt raped again. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! PG era, man. That's true. That's probably why they didn't. <laughs> That's probably why they didn't go there. They've already... <laughs> oh, God. So th- to close things out here on SmackDown, we're, we know now that the men's and women's matches are happening simultaneously. simultaneously. At the, like, how like are they going to pull this off? Yeah. How's I've... that supposed to work? Well, it's going to be shot cinematically from what I understand, much in the way that they did the Boneyard match. So they'll be able to edit it together so that everything's going out at the same time. So it's like you'll probably have forth to the different mm-hmm. spats that are going on in the, in the they fight. Can, and cross paths. It's an office building. Like You could have the whole thing kind of weaving its way up, things happening at the same time. Both of them could be climbing the ladders at the same time on the roof. You know what I mean? Like, it could be all kinds of madness happening. It could what just be did, like absolute... one-shot fight choreography like the raid where they were climbing the whole thing? <gasps> The problem with that, Nick, is that it took them two months to choreograph some of those long-ass fight sequences, and I don't give WWE the credit to be able to <laughs> choreograph something that long. That that's that that's that exciting. It could be they could just film it all in one shot, kind of like Edge and Randy Orton. But you remember how exciting that match was? It was forty minutes long and it dragged like a mofo. But so yeah, the whole idea of yes, one long shot. Okay, great in theory. But to pull it off like the raid, you got to put in some serious work to make it that exciting. I don't yeah. think they took that much time. Yeah. Or so, as he says, like the Carl Urban Dread, Judge Dread. Oh God, love that movie. That movie's so. Good. I mean, what's the, they're the same movie, just you know, one has Carl Urban and, right. and lasers and a lot of guns <laughs> and laser beams. So yes. many guns. <laughs> yes, and Cersei Lannister falling. You know, a hundred. Right stories or whatever it was oh boy and also those awesome slow-mo special effects that look really good on my 3d tv yes back in the era when they still did 3d yeah. that's one of the best 3d movies you can ever watch it's absolutely amazing Titanic. i love okay but we digress nick before we get to the end of the show here i do want to really quickly say this is a weird position i'm in oh the, the end of the week this week last last night after finishing smackdown i just sat there and just kind of went uh this is the first week in a while where I just kind of felt a little burnt out yeah. on the wrestling. And, it, and it, I, I was sitting there meditating on it. Like, why am I feeling just a little bit drained? And I think that one of the reasons is I'm starting to get over this whole empty arena thing. It's starting to become mm, a bit... It's draining. Not having that crowd energy not having that extra pop in the show, it's making all the shows feel kind of the same. Yeah. Right? It's blurring the together. Place. It's starting to blur together. Right. It's starting to become, it's like driving on a road late at night. You know what I mean? There's no scenery going by you. There's no extra stimulation. It's I've, just you're I've, keeping your eyes I've on driven, the road. I've driven I-40 across the country four times. I, I, so you know. I get it more than anybody. <laughs> So this is what I'm saying is like, how sustainable is this? I don't like, know. obviously, obviously, you know, I'm going to keep watching. And this is by no way saying that I'm, I'm done. I'm out. See ya. Deuces. 
<laughs> but here's the thing. Here We're in a position where I'm going to be watching these shows regardless. But it made me think about everyone who's not. And you're watching the ratings dwindling week to week. They are slowly starting to seep away. And it made me go, is that why that's happening? Is that feeling that I had of just staring down an empty highway at night while watching these shows repeatedly week after and this is AEW, this is NXT, everybody. Is that feeling what's making them slowly trickle away these viewers? I don't know. Um, I'll say that I've felt that way about WWE the last couple, three weeks. Uh, more specifically about NXT, but it's starting to creep in on SmackDown. I'm very high on Raw and AEW right now, though. Um, I like what they're doing on Raw. I love what mm -hmm. they're doing on AEW. AEW has climbed the mountain of, it's my favorite thing to watch every week. I'll openly admit right. that. Dynamite has become, and, my, and they continue they have to deliver. They have crowd noise every week, Nick. Yeah, they 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 know they they did early on from the from the start putting ten wrestlers yeah. around the ring and just for some ambient noise to fill the gaps. Chance. And I think yeah. the first thing I said when we had the very first, I think it was a SmackDown with Triple H and it was just an empty arena. I'd be like, don't they're at the Performance Center? Don't they have yeah. a, a a roster full of people that we've never seen on TV that they could just put ten to twenty of them in the crowd in the Performance Center crowd there? Yep, have them scattered around. I mean, AEW's even had like storylines with the people that are standing ringside. Like they've established, hey, these are people that are also competing. So it's not like we're having a bunch of randos and there's a ton of people running around in this place right. and it's unsafe. You know, they've been very smart about that, and that might be why you're having a little bit more uh, of little more energy for AEW right now. Is that they're giving you more energy when you watch the show? Yeah. Um, no, it's, and it's, it's more because, to do with because, I'm invested with the storylines. Well, yeah, and I think NXT has some has some storylines that are investable as well, um, and there's even some stuff on SmackDown that I that you know I'm looking forward to week to week. But again, there is that that feeling of burnout. Yeah, you know, because we are seeing the same thing. It's not you know, hey, this week we're in Poughkeepsie, and this week we're in uh, Santa Fe, and this week we're in you know Buffalo or whatever. Coming and, to you and live from Portland, Oregon, right. in front of eighteen thousand fans. You missed that, right? The the it's jarring. Portland, and Oregon, it's Portland, Oregon. It tops off at about ten thousand fans okay. there. But yes, right. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> having lived in Portland, but yeah, it's yeah. I, I'm I'm starting to worry about the product. I'm starting to wonder and speculate, as some have. Should they have shut down for a month or two? No. Just to keep the energy for when they come back. I I can see both sides of it, though, Nick. I, I, I hear you. What would we have done for a few months? Oh, we'd have figured something out. Yeah. We're creative. Played video we're, games or something. We're smart. <laughs> I'm already doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Up till four playing Diablo 3. Uh, oh, God. Listen, I've, I've turned into a content creation machine. I can't show you guys all the cool stuff we've got coming here, plus all of the other things that I've got going on right now in my life. So. Oh, Esme with $5 super chat. Apparently there's a Titanic discussion going on in the chat. The <laughs> she says Rose couldn't save Jack. Damn it. I guess the, the highlighted message to, to solidify her point. Thank you for the five bucks, Esme, just to Thank say that. Thank you for the five bucks. I appreciate it. Uh, she, she, could, she could have. They actually proved on Mythbusters that she could have fit him on that board. Right. And she's a selfish bitch and let him die. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Well, that's our show for this week, guys. But now we're going to head over and talk about what we thought, or, or sorry, what uh, our moment of positivity.
Mop. Mop. Moment of positivity time. Yes. That's right, Nick. Yay. What was the moment that made you smile big this week? What 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 lifted your wings? What what pulled you onto a small raft in the middle of the of the Atlantic Ocean? I have I have mine, and then I'm going to give an honorable mention. I'll do the honorable mention first, and that's Lance Archer tightrope moonsaulting. <laughs> if, yep. if you didn't know, now you know. Yep. Um, the it, it's Otis winning and getting into Money in the Bank. It, it like it of kind of it course, validates of it validates everything that I had hoped since Heavy Machinery debuted in NXT. They see mm. the value in his performance art and his the the background that he has. The dude's a spark plug with with appendages. Like he is just a massive, hilarious <laughs> performer. And right. the fact that he could go toe to toe with Dolph Ziggler for that long of a match and not get blown up, it was it. W- I was kind of pleasantly surprised. He we haven't seen him work that really long of a match without Tucker, um, maybe ever. So I was I was pleasantly surprised to see that. I'm glad he won. Uh, I'm I'm glad that they're continuing this story and now branching it off so that Mandy and Sonny can do their thing with him in her corner. I think this is developed in ways that I never thought they would allow it to, and I am overjoyed that it not only delivered at WrestleMania as he carried the the princess off into the sunset, and now we're even continuing it and doing phase chapter two uh, of this whole thing. So fantastic. Absolutely my moment of positivity. And he's not going to win money in the bank, but the fact that he's going to be in there is going to make it that much more entertaining. It's going to be entertaining as hell. I mean, the dude looks like what would happen if Winnie Pooh went from honey to steak. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very invested in that. But my moment of positivity is actually the Lance Archer match, oh. Nick. It's not even the one move. It's the whole thing. Uh, I was just sitting there grinning ear to ear because it was exactly what I wanted it to be. When I thought about this whole story they're telling with Cody and Dustin and Lance and everything that they've been building up for a few weeks with Lance and, and Jake and where they're going, this was the perfect chapter in that it was exactly what it needed to be it made dustin look like a credible threat to lance archer but lance archer was just too goddamn strong he looked like an absolute beast in this match he came away looking like you know he kicked out of the crossroads on one on point oh eight you know what i mean like he came across looking like an absolute monster like you said the the tightrope walk moonsault the the you know making him bleed the finish where it just he just was like you could you had a chance to save your brother with that towel but you know what here's your he takes the rips the towel out of his hands throws it back to them and says here's your freaking towel I'm gonna kill your brother now yeah you had your chance I'm gonna kill him Mwah. every <laughs> single chef every chef kiss I could give Mwah, les poissons Mwah, Mwah. I love it fantastic it yeah fantastic well there you go guys there's our mops and there's the show but we're not done just yet. Oh We've got just enough time for our other news lightning round. Beep, 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 beep. All right, a little bit of quick ratings news here. AEW with uh, 693,000 and a .27 in the 18 to 49 demo. NXT with 637, only slightly behind them, as seems to be the norm, but with a .16 in the demo. How, it's like almost, like nearly, what, 35, 40% of their audience is over 50 watching NXT? That's bananas to me, man. Every week, it, every week it fries my brain. Yeah, I know we're having a hard time taking ratings seriously in the midst of all of this, but it's been consistent even before that. Yeah, that over fifties are loving them. Ever since they debuted on USA and we started getting ratings, it's kind of been like that. 
Yeah, it's wild. It's I wild. am starting to see, like you said earlier, the dwindling from the 800, 900s down to the 600s pretty consistently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Well, and Raw Raw and SmackDown are both down in like the mid 1.5, 1.7s, like down from, you know, 2.1, 2.3. So everything yeah. is on a downslide, slow little downslide. WWE released Curtis Axel, a.k.a. Michael McGillicuddy, a.k.a. Joe Hennig, son of Kurt Hennig, son of Mr. Perfect, never quite connected, did he? No, it's a shame. No matter what they threw at him, whether the meta powers or or anything. I, I don't know. The Miz I thought was fantastic. I thought them as he was as, a goon, but he, even then he was a goon. Sure, I mean, you know. But they still had their moments. Bo Dallas and and, and Curtis had their moments. Um, but, he, but, but he, uh, yeah. they, but he was. He, he, you're talking about the son of Mr. Perfect, yeah, right. This is just looks like a, a Ted DiBiase Jr. all over again, you know, where you've got the pedigree, but it's just you don't quite have what your dad had. Yep, it's just not quite there. Uh, but you know, fingers crossed for him. He's able to reinvent himself, come back with some fire. Uh, but yeah, future endeavored, Curtis Axel. Uh, also, future endeavored. All of Ring of Honor shows through June they've been canceled, so we're not getting anything from Ring of Honor until. The earliest July, they're being they're being as safe as possible there. Impact, however, uh, still doing stuff. They had their Rebellion pay-per-view this last weekend, two nights. But the big thing happened at the end because Tessa Blanchard is not able to wrestle right now due to the ongoing situation. Uh, instead, we had a triple threat, Michael Elgin versus Moose versus Hernandez. It was supposed to be Eddie Edwards. He couldn't make it, so Hernandez stepped in instead. And unfortunately, in my opinion, after watching the match, kind of dragged the whole match down. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of unfortunate, but he did eat the pin. Moose wins and it retains what he's calling his TNA heavyweight championship because Tess isn't there. He's saying he is now the heavyweight champ that will be defending the belt. So now it is, in impact, a disputed heavyweight championship. Not the undisputed. Interesting. Not the undisputed, but the disputed and he's saying Tessa is dodging him. So some grist for the mill there. Aside from that, kind of a lackluster pay-per-view, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, the Revolt, a.k.a. The Revival, apparently only got released from WWE after agreeing to turn over their trademarks that they had been busy collecting over the last six to eight months. And part of their negotiation was, you release us right now. Apparently, I'm trying to remember who was who. I don't have the note in front of me, unfortunately, because I lost it right before the show started. But... Um, it was Dash who was up. His contract was up in April. Dawson had a couple of uh, months added to his because of injury. So he wasn't going to get out till June. But they, were, they negotiated that they were both released without a 90-day uh, no-compete in April by saying, fine, you can have our trademarks. But apparently, even with that, WWE is still going after them for some of their other trademarks, which again, unfortunately, I don't have the article up right now. So I can't tell you what those trademarks were, but there was Man. something along the lines of um, uh, no flips, just fists, and like those kinds of things, like the little like side catches. Hopefully not the guys. FTR stuff. No, they've got that. Okay. Uh, FT FTRKO, however, was one of the disputed ones. Mm. So WWE still going after Revolt for some of the stuff. Uh, that being said, Revolt sounds like they they had their heads on straight in terms of getting those trademarks uh, when they did because it did give them some leverage. Uh, speaking of people who are no longer in WWE, Cody has openly said he will not hire Heath Slater. He says he does not think that that would be a good fit for AEW. Heath 
retorted by saying you're making a bad business decision. It seemed very playful. It doesn't seem it wasn't as serious as I just made it out to be. Um, but it it did seem like Cody was like, eh, we're good. We're, we don't really need Heath Slater. Um, I don't know. He he's got to go reinvent himself too, man. Like yeah. he, I read this whole interview where he was talking about how burnt out he was the last few years in WWE. How you can only be told no so many times. How you can only, you know, fight for a push so many times before you just kind of like, all right, do whatever you want with me. I'm I'm looking at him as he could do really well down in MLW. Um, I, I I think there are plenty of opportunities out there, especially once we start getting audiences back and we start getting all of the shows and things back. I think there's plenty of opportunities for Heath to be Heath, um, but I don't think it's going to be on the big shows anymore. Yeah, I'm not sure. All I got to say is, Heath, call up Jinder and ask what the hell, what uh, what right. he's eating. Yeah. <clears throat> what he's <clears throat> eating. Uh, you got to come back, Rip Boy. Rusev also uh, out on the market. JR loves him some Rusev. So JR is going to be pushing for Rusev to go to AEW. I think Rusev to AEW might be yeah. might be happening because a lot of the people over there, from Heath what I've Slater, read. Rusev. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> 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 Ugh, sorry, Heath. Um, Mick Foley said that after watching Dark Side of the Ring about Benoit, he is now lobbying for Nancy Benoit, a.k.a. woman, to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, totally agree with him, Could Nick. Get behind that, totally. Yep. The problem is, how do you induct her without saying Benoit's name? Right. Which they, you know they would want to do. How do you induct her without mentioning Benoit? I mean, I, I think, I know they're scared of controversy. I, I think this is one where they have to suck it up and make a nod at the horrible thing that happened, you know, and say, despite the tragedy, let's, let's celebrate the life of this woman who was genuinely a fantastic valet, fantastic manager, one of the people that really pioneered the modern version of what that could be. You know, I think, you, I think there's a way to do it and acknowledge the horrible thing, the horrible end, but like kind of, you know, acknowledge the elephant in the room, but leave the elephant over in the corner, if you know what I'm saying. Right. But totally. she, I agree. She should be in there. Agreed. Uh, some movie news. Cage Fighter, Worlds Collide. A new film about cage fighters whose worlds collide. Uh, it's been produced by Christian. Um, he's in it in a, in, a, in a smaller role. One of the bigger roles, however, John Moxley. What? Is also in it. Yeah. One of the top billed guys. He's playing one of the bad guys, if not the bad guy. Uh, they apparently allowed him to ad lib a bunch of his lines, too. So, could be an interesting watch. Also, Gina Gershon and Chuck Liddell are in this movie. So, check it out. I understand it's streaming now. On what? Uh, that's a great question, Nick. You, Let me. You go to the next one. I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, worlds, worlds, colli worlds Collide. Okay, you look it up. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll talk, talk about. Uh, I'll talk about Becky Lynch. No, it's upcoming. It's not out yet. Uh, May, it'll be released May 16th on sixteenth on Fight TV. Fight TV. Da -da 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 -da. There we go. So two weeks on Fight TV. Cage Fighter. Worlds collide. Becky Lynch will be on season premiere of Billions this Sunday at nine Eastern. So if you want to check out Becky Lynch making a cameo on Billions, if you watch Billions already, keep an eye out for the red-haired one. Also, keep an eye out for her in an upcoming Marvel movie. They're not saying which one. Could be Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Could be Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Could be... Who knows? But Becky Lynch will be... It could be uh, Eternals. 
Eternals would be a she she looked good in Eternals. They ain't shooting shit or releasing shit right now. No, but well, they're a little bit on the side. But she's going to be in an upcoming. Uh, she may have already filmed her stuff, but she's yeah. coming out in a Marvel movie. So keep your eyes open if you like Marvel movies, and who doesn't? Stephanie McMahon has joined the Ad Council. That's Interesting. right. Yeah, the ad. So the Ad Council is a nonprofit organization um, run by the government that that uh, makes public service announcements on behalf of various sponsors. Um. But uh, they do it for everybody, including it's a, it's a government position. Essentially, it's a nonprofit government position. So she's now in charge of making commercials, probably um, involving charities and whatnot. Given how she's already done, what what, what was her favorite famous line? Is um, oh not char- not charity is advertising, but um, charity is marketing. Mm, something along those lines. I'm trying to remember the exact words she used, but we're getting to the end of the show and I'm getting a bit fried. My coffee's wearing off, so there you go. But Stephanie McMahon has joined the Ad Council. I'm not saying that uh, you know they're using their positions of power within the U.S. government to get themselves these jobs. I'm just saying that she's joined the Ad Council. Super Limited, a division of Neon Films. Uh, they've produced such films as, or distributed such films as I, Tonya, Parasite, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. They have acquired distribution... For you cannot kill David Arquette. Ooh. So if you wanted to see that movie, it's going to be all over streaming. It's going to be all over because now a, pr- a pretty decent indie company uh, has acquired the distribution rights to it. So it will probably be available fairly soon on a streaming service near you. And finally, on Jeopardy this week, Nick, they asked a question about WWE, or rather, they gave the answer. And you had to f- ask the question, and the answer was the first W in WWE where Kofi Kingston and No Way Jose wrestle with issues. Obviously an answer written before, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, because only one of those guys still wrestles for WWE. But uh, Kofi apparently was blown away by this, and he tweeted about it. So props to him for getting his name on the greatest game show of all time. Fantastic. Which, which Jeopardy is, fight me. And that is the news. Well, thank you very much, Sir Ian Dangerous. And thank you guys for joining us. Special shout-out to everybody in the chat. Line drive. Oh, Andy. What? Andy, thank you. Philanthropy. Philanthropy is Do the new business model. Week. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, he gave me the word. Thank you, Andy. I was, I was brain farting. Thank you. Go ahead. Well, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining us this week. And a special shout out to all the phenomenal ones. Line Drive, Abraham, Esme, Andrew, everybody that's donated to the Super Chats today. Thank you guys very much for all of your love and support for the show. And thank you for handing over some of your hard-earned dollars to help us keep this show going. Come over and join us on Facebook. Uh, you can just search for Busted Wide Open. Like our page. Send us a join request to get into the group with everybody else. It's a lot of fun. Very wholesome environment. We like to keep it that way. Very positively reinforced environment, and we like to keep it that way. You can also follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. BWOPodcast.com for all of these links and everything you need to know. Make sure you're in the Discord. You can find all of those links uh, in the description below here on YouTube, pinned across our social media profile, or over at BWOPodcast.com. We stream live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern here on YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. And if you'd like to get in on some of the exclusives here in the show, the best way to support the show is over at Patreon.com slash BWO. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God, would somebody stop the damn match?
This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.